Hey everybody, and welcome to Prospect Profile, episode number thirty. And it's appropriate that we actually start. We actually are on number thirty because this is the last pod we're doing before the draft starts. And this is not your normal Prospect Profile podcast. This is the mock draft edition of Prospect Profile, and this is the the final, um, you know, mock and. Is in general that I've done, and but also it's not just me. I have a special guest again today, and it's been a while since I've had him, and uh, he's back once again. Uh, welcome, uh, Nino. How you doing? Less than a week away. Less than a week away. It's so close. The draft is so close. I can just about taste it. I cannot wait for Thursday night. I think it's going to be fantastic. There's going to be loads of drama. Uh, probably some head scratching picks. Uh, probably some really smart picks, but uh, I can't wait, and it's good to be on the podcast with you again, Lawrence. Oh, man. It, it, there's going to be just a lot of crazy things that are going to be totally different than what's happened, happening and whatever we think is going to happen, and it's going to throw everything <laughs> off, and the whole board is going to get messed up, and I'm always, I am always look forward to just the craziness that happens on the first day of the draft, because there's always something that just makes you go, whoa, I did not see that coming remotely at all and there's gonna be plenty of that but we're gonna try to uh predict some of the craziness uh both of us and we're gonna go pick by pick both of us and uh kind of say what we each think is gonna happen and uh we're not gonna waste any time we're gonna start right off so we're gonna start at pick number one obviously the arizona cardinals and uh well you know the arizona cardinals are pretty much bad in every particular area of football imaginable and (laughs) I I mean I just, I'm just gonna tell it like it is, and it, it it was not good for the Arizona Cardinals this past year, and there are so many ways you know when you when you're this bad you you have a lot of options, especially when you're at number one, and you know there's been a lot of a lot of things surrounding this pick, and just a lot of craziness and a lot of rumors up and down and. Man, I, you know, everything, everybody is talking, you know, Kyler Murray, obviously, is the elephant in the room. And while I think these discussions have been had about Kyler Murray, I think what's been happening in the Arizona front office and ownership is that I think ownership has been pushing for Kyler Murray. I, I, believe, I firmly believe that. I think it's a ticket seller. You know, he is... You know, he's obviously a big name. Uh, Josh Rosen really wasn't that like they expected to be uh, last year. You know, he didn't make that splash because, well, one, I mean, just the team around him was just uh, an absolute disaster. <laughs> you know, and, and and two, the offense was just not tailored to him. And it was just it was just all a gigantic mess. They fired their coach after one year and Steve Wilkes and. Yeah, it's just Josh Rosen really, really did not have much of an opportunity to prove much of anything. And personally, I, I think the the football guys in this organization know that. And from my opinion, I think the football guys may actually just win this battle for once. My opinion, I think the Cardinals take the best player available on the board. And to me, that is Quinn Williams. I, I think he's a best player available for a team that was literally bad at everything last year and 
I, I just I just really think in the end, Quinn and Williams is going to be the pick. I don't think it's going to be Kyler Murray. I think Cliff Kingsbury is willing to take his chances with Josh Rosen at least for another year. Yeah, I I just don't think it's just it doesn't make sense for me to just give up on this guy after a year, but. You know, crazier things have happened, and especially in front offices with that much turbulence. You know, maybe maybe I'm just trying to think too sane here, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just I just I really think it's going to be Quinn and Williams at number one. So what do you what do you think, Nino? What do you think? <laughs> so, so at number one, again, and to everyone listening, this is what we think is going to happen, not what we would do. Um, so just to get that out of the way, I know sometimes people have questions about that when you know, reading Mox in general or listening to them on podcasts. So this is what we think will happen uh, come Thursday night. So at number one, I went chalk. I went with Kyler, Um, not because I really wanted to. I think, again, like you're saying, take the best player available, whether you think that's Quinnen, whether you think that's Nick Bosa. Um, You already have the quarterback position figured out. Josh Rosen is a super talented quarterback. And was a super talented prospect. There's a reason he was he went in the in the top ten of last year's draft, and the reason that uh, Steve Kime traded up to get him. But it kind of looks like you know I think you're spot on with ownership wanting this because Kyler is he, he's the Heisman winner. He is going to be a guy that sells tickets, and I think this could be something that Cliff wants to. I mean, everyone knows how much Cliff has has uh, raved about Kyler in the past. Um, but I, I see this going one of two ways. Either one, they just take Kyler at one, and they say we're we believe that he's the perfect fit for Cliff, and we're just going to ride it out with Kyler and you know find a dance partner for Josh Rosen. Or two, uh, this entire for the past um, uh, three four months, they've been uh, smoke screening all of us to try and get Oakland to jump up to number one to take Kyler so Arizona can move down to four, grab some more draft capital. And I think, it, you know, if they were to trade down in their minds, hopefully be able to take Quinn and Willings at four while, you know, gaining an extra first-round pick or so from Oakland. So I think that's the two scenarios that are probably more than likely to play out on Thursday night. But I think there's just – been so much smoke about Kyler going to the Cardinals and I mean at the end of the day you know things can change in an instant we had been hearing that uh the Browns were and uh John Dorsey were going to take either Sam Darnold or Josh Allen last year at number one and then I mean basically a few you know a couple of days before the draft everyone started saying Baker was the guy and then Baker became the guy so we're not really going to know and up, you know, until a day or so, you know, that, that Tuesday or Wednesday, that's probably when we'll have a, as best, you know, as good of a guess as any. Um, but right now there's just been so much smoke with Kyler Murray to, uh, to the Cardinals. So I'm just going to stick with that for now. That's fair. I, I mean, those are hundred percent fair arguments and I, I'm not going to like even say you're like out of pocket for it. I mean, I, I absolutely could see it happening. It's, it's not one of those things where I'm like a dead set. think it's going to be Quinn and Williams. I just personally, I think that's where they're going to end up leaning. Uh, and that's because I think there's some, be some craziness that really plays out if that's what happens. 
And that's where I'm going to get to with this second pick. And you're going to probably think I'm crazy for what I'm about to uh, uh, spring up here. Because this, this is, I know this is a, like a really out of the, um, the realm kind of like thinking. And it's not like your typical um, mock draft thinking, I guess. So the Niners are here at number two. This is so. This is how I'm seeing this. The Niners are here at number two, and so my thought is, so the Niners are desperate for secondary help. I'm not wrong about that, correct? Correct. They they are so thin in the secondary aside from Richard Sherman. Who don't get me wrong, Richard Sherman's so great, but the guy is getting older. He's getting up there. I mean, let's not yeah. Let's not like sugarcoat this. But. The Niners absolutely do not see anybody at number two, where they're like, "Oh my God, I gotta draft this guy in this from the second, you know, secondary type of player in at number two. No, absolutely not. So, and honestly, I think the Niners could really use a lot more picks as well because they've honestly they've missed on a few of these picks uh, recently, and it, you know whether it's Solomon Thomas, you know, and whatnot, and Reuben Foster, it, it's. It, it hasn't been so good for uh, John Lynch and Co. Yeah, so, I mean, so far, I, I definitely agree. And I think before all of the Kyler Murray interest from the Cardinal side started drumming up, you know, I remember a lot of talk in December and January about how once the Cardinals were supposed to take Nick Bosa at one, San Francisco was like the trade down target because they had. Because Bosa wouldn't have been there, and they had just so many other needs. Right, right. And this is where I know this is probably going to get a little crazy, but I do think they trade down. Who is the trade partner, you ask? The Miami Dolphins go all the way up from 13 to number 2 to nab Kyler Murray. I think the Dolphins are been laying in wait. They've been kind of the... Like silent, like silently gathering draft capital uh, through these little trades that they've made. I think the, the Dolphins make a huge, huge splash. They the Dolphins go and they make this big trade. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna go in specifics to like what exactly the capital would be that they give up to make this move. It's gonna be a lot. It's obviously gonna include picks from next year, this year, whatnot. But they're gonna do it. I think the Dolphins they make the move here. I you know I know what you people would say, hey, but why wouldn't they make the move to the Jets? You know, wait one more pick. But why would the Jets want to help out their division rival get a potential franchise quarterback? True. Why why would they want to do that? So they're not gonna want to do that. So I think the Dolphins would be willingly able to go and they give up a little more to jump ahead of the Raiders, who would I think would definitely consider Kyler Murray at number four. And I think the Dolphins, they make this big move and they make the splash. They get their guy. I mean, because, I mean, quite frankly, look who's on their roster right now. They have no one at quarterback. There's no one, literally nobody. What, Luke Falk? Is you're going to be your quarterback? <laughs> and I think, obviously, everybody knows that's not the case. It just it just all seems to match up, you know, to me. It just the all the capital that they've been acquiring, just the kind of like 
they haven't really talked about the quarterback position. I just think they this is a thing they've been planning, and they've been planning to do, and they've been looking for the target, and I think Murray is their guy. And I think they're going to make a big move here, and they're going to land Murray at number two. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is a really interesting scenario. I think that I actually think what you talked about in terms of the roster and just the general lack of talent is, in my opinion, probably why they won't trade down and why or, or why they won't trade up. And because I think, I mean, there's just nothing on this roster. There is quite literally nothing on this roster. And I think yeah. the Dolphins, I really do think that they want to. I know this is, you know, probably not what a lot of fans would like to hear, but I really do think that they kind of want to tank in 2019. And I think that just looking at this roster, it's kind of a smart move because it's just so devoid of talent outside of Minka Fitzpatrick and Xavier Howard. Yeah, I get I mean, that. I understand and, that. And, uh, and uh, I think Larmy Tunsil. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Those are your three starting like quality players pretty much that's all they got so i think if you're the dolphins i think they want to stick around at 13 um i thought maybe they'd also potentially want to trade back but i don't see anyone jumping up to 13 there's just not really a great value spot for anyone to trade up um but i think that miami kind of just wants to as acquire, acquire just as much players as possible just in the hopes that a couple of them pan out because there's just nothing on that roster. Huh. You know, I mean, I, I can say, I definitely understand that. And, but like, I just sometimes, you know, the quarterbacks just, they make, they make GMs do things that, um, <laughs> that maybe aren't really always the, the sensible thing in, in terms of, but sometimes these guys are so desperate for a well, franchise I guy. I think you make a really good point about if Kyler's there. Because we talked about it earlier with Arizona, but Kyler is a ticket seller. And Miami's a pretty tough sports market to really break through in. Um, so, you know, if they do, if Kyler is there at, you know, two, and they're able to just throw everything at the Niners to get him, that's going to be a big draw for uh Dolphins, you know, for a, a city that and a a fan base that really needs a shot in the arm for the Dolphins and just the interest in that team since right. they've been just perpetually mediocre. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all, you know, if it's if Arizona takes Bosa or Quinnen and the and Miami just makes a massive move up for Kyler, I wouldn't be surprised, and I. I could understand and rationalize the move. Yeah, now, and, and listen, I understand. And this is I'm coming from a Browns fan here. Everybody, you know, coming off of a you know 0 16 season, if you're the Browns, you know, you could you could say, hey, well, the Browns have all these needs in all these different areas, and you know, and yeah, yeah, maybe they could have traded down, you know, or possibly, but you know, no, they got their franchise guy, and sometimes it all starts there, you know, and I understand yeah. that, that, you know, you have to acquire other talents, but sometimes it all starts there, and you got to get your guy, and I think the Dolphins want to get their guy, and they just 
haven't had that. Tannehill was never going to be that. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, this is, I feel like this might be the time for them. And if, especially if he's there, obviously if he's there at number two, if, unless Arizona does pick him. But I, yeah, I, it all hinges on what Arizona does, of course. But like you said, but I honestly though, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a really interesting scenario if he is there. But anyway, what do you think the Niners are going to do at number two? I, yeah, I think so. For the Niners, again, I went really chalk. I have been taking Nick Bosa. Um, they got they uh, acquired D Ford for a 2020 second round pick and then signed him to a long term ex- extension. Um, D Ford had a you know he's been hot and cold for the first few years of his career. Really turned it on in 2018. Uh, he gives the Niners a very dynamic pass rusher, and I just think you know like you said with. Uh, the secondary value, I think they could really use some secondary help. I think they could use some help at receiver, but the value just is not there at two. So uh, just, and, you know, between, in the trenches, you know, obviously I think they should still consider taking Quinnen, but uh, when you have Eric Armstead and especially DeForest Buckner coming off a monster year, uh, mm. go get Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, who was kind of an overrated prospect to begin with. Um, in the 2017 draft, he hasn't panned out in, uh, after a sophomore season. You go get Nick Bosa. Now, all of a sudden, you go from one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL to one of the best with Defoe, Bosa, and Ford. So I think, I think that's probably what they're going to do unless they get a monster offer to trade back. Yeah. I think most Bosa just makes a lot of sense here. And Bosa's going to be a, a really good football player for a really long time, I think. You know, unless, unless you know, freak injuries happen. But I think, you know, pretty safe money is on Bosa being a very quality defensive end edge rusher for a very long time. That's, uh, you know, a pretty fair argument. Sometimes the pass rush actually can help, just end up helping the secondary play a lot better in the, in the end of it, too. Um, but, um, so anyway, now that we have Nick Bosa off the board for you, I go to the Jets here, and now Nick Bosa's off the board here. <laughs> and, and yeah, I have, I, you know, I value Nick Bosa pretty much at that same kind of spot. The Jets obviously need pass rush. Their, you know, their defense was all over the place last season. They were middle of the pack in sacks and turnovers, near bottom in points and yards allowed. I Nick Bosa is a a clear day one starter. You add him right in there on on that line, and he's gonna he's gonna make a little bit of a difference. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for, you know, like for the Jets, they tried to go after Anthony Barr to play uh, as an edge rusher in free agency. That, you know, Barr kind of took the rug out from under them at the last second, re-signed with, uh, with Minnesota. So I think, you know, if Bosa's there, it makes a ton of sense for the Jets to stick around at three and take him. Uh, Phil's probably their biggest need. So I think that's, you know, they they need uh, a blue chip uh, difference maker at pass rusher, and obviously Bosa does that for him. Um, so this is where I thought that the first trade up has happened. I think everyone knows that Mike McCagnan wants to move down from three and recoup some of the trade value that they gave up to the Colts in order to get Darnold um, and. Uh, with Murray off the board, I think there are a few trade-up candidates. One of them is the Washington Redskins. Um, 
I think this is a bit unlikely because I don't think the Jets are going to love the prospect of moving all the way down to 15 and potentially missing out on a lot of good pass rushers. So I think that's probably the least likely. I also think Washington will end up with Josh Rosen, as I had uh, obviously had Arizona taking Kyler Murray, which meant that you know Rosen's on the trade block. And uh, I think you know probably a second or third round pick uh, would do it for Josh Rosen. Because let's be honest, if there's one thing that Arizona has really screwed up in this process, it is completely tanking Josh Rosen's trade value. There's just not a huge market for him because as far as the league is concerned, Arizona's taking Kyler, which means they're going to be forced to trade Rosen. So, you know, that value and that demand just isn't there as much as it, you know, could have been. Um, So I think the other two teams that I think are candidates to trade up with the Jets are the Denver Broncos, you know, whether that, whether they want to ensure that they get Drew Locke and <laughs> make sure that Aok and uh, Gruden don't try anything funny in taking Drew Locke at four, um, uh, uh, or they want to jump, uh, potentially jump the Giants for uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, if that's the guy that Denver wants. I think that makes a lot of sense. Flacco is a really good veteran presence in that locker room. That's generous. Uh, he's far from... I I mean, that's about all he offers as a starting quarterback at this point. Um, So he's definitely not the future. He's barely even the present. Um, So you need an upgrade at that position if you want to compete in the NFL. And then I also think another team that that, uh, we should all be really looking at to trade up is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, New coach in Zach Taylor. Uh, Andy Dalton is, I believe, on the last year of his deal, and he's approaching 30 years old. He's also, you know, never been anything. At his peak, he was an above-average quarterback. At this point, he's pretty mediocre. So it makes a lot of sense for uh, the Bengals to want to move into a new direction, especially with uh, the Browns becoming very competitive, Uh, the Ravens, you know, more than likely reloading because that's just what the Ravens do. And obviously the, the Steelers still have... Uh, one of the best pass rushes in the league, as well as a great offensive line and a Hall of Fame quarterback. So you need to make moves in order to stay competitive in this uh, division. And I misspoke earlier. Andy Dalton has two years left on his deal, uh, but cutting him wouldn't really cost them that much at all. So it kind of makes sense that Cincinnati would move up. I think they would take the, uh, the Ohio kid, Dwayne Haskins, you know, keep him in the state. Uh, he would be a really big draw in Cincinnati. I, I know there are, from uh, personal experience, there are a lot of Buckeyes fans in uh, in Southern Ohio that would love that. Uh, probably would love to see Dwayne Haskins uh, move from the Scarlet and Gray to the uh, the Bengal Orange, as it were. So I think I think the move is that the Jets trade down. I I haven't seen anything that's like that. Uh, a team like Cincinnati or Denver is, you know, really looking to move up. But I think, in my mind, it makes a lot of sense for uh, for Cincinnati, especially, to move up and make sure they get their quarterback. And I think that's uh, I think that's the main deal for what's going to happen at three. Wow. So do you, you don't. Uh, so you, you, who do you do you don't have any person in particular that the Jets you think would pick at all if they so, stayed? 
So if the Jets stay at three, I think there's three options. Uh, the first two are interior defensive linemen. They're the two best interior defensive linemen in this draft. Obviously, I'm talking about Ed Oliver out of Houston and Quinnen Williams. Uh, I think, you know, they have some nice stuff at uh, on the interior of their at a defensive tackle with, you know, Leo Williams and a couple rookies that I kind of like coming out of last year's draft, Nathan Shepard, uh, Foley Fadu. Fadu Cassie, I think, from uh, from Connecticut, from the University of Connecticut. Uh, and, my boy, uh, my, boy the, my boy from yeah, UConn. <laughs> yeah, he's your guy. I really liked him coming out of last year's draft. I liked him as a nice day three value. And then, of course, they have uh, uh, veteran nose tackles and uh, Steel- former Steelers legend Steve McClendon. Um, I don't think any of those guys stop you from taking such such a talented player like uh, Quinnen Williams or Ed Oliver. And oh, then God, I no. think <laughs> no. Um, and then, like you said, with uh, the Jets taking Nick Bosa, I think uh, Edge is obviously a huge area of need. You know, we talked. I talked earlier about them going, targeting Anthony Barr in free agency, and uh, I think this is a potentially a spot where, if the Jets stay, this would be where Josh Allen, not Wyoming, Kentucky, goes off the board. That's yeah. I, I know that he's definitely another possibility there at that spot for hundred hundred percent. That's uh, that's interesting. I, I think yeah, there's a lot of different ways the Jets could go here. I, I re- really do agree with that. I know I have heard the the rumblings about them trading down, but I I just got a feeling they're just gonna stay, end up staying. I I just think there's not gonna be like the partner that they they really want. And uh, well, that's the thing. You have to have a dance partner. Yeah, and it takes I, two to tango. That's uh, exactly. And I just don't I don't think it's gonna end up happening for them. I think they're just gonna pick the best player available on their board, and they're just gonna they're stick with it. But now here's the fun part, the wild card, my favorite. <laughs> I, I I love talking about these guys, the Raiders. Yeah, I do too. Oh my god. The wild card of the draft with three picks fronted by NFL Network's Mike Mayock and Gruden Grinder. I I, I I this is going to be something else, man. Um we really have nothing to base their draft philosophy on, seeing as no. <laughs> really Gruden loves almost everyone that isn't Khalil Mack, and Mayock's mm-hmm. draft analysis through the years has you know been just you know what it is. You know, and like I said, they have three firsts, which is a ton of ammo, so they're very flexible on who they can pick here. Do they go best player available? Do they go quarterback to usher out the era of Carr? Personally, I think they're going to go edge rusher here. And maybe not the Pete guy people think it is. I think I know where you're going with this. I think Gruden and Mayock fall in love with Brian Burns' student yep. of the game attitude and plethora of rush moves and make him the fourth overall pick over a Josh Allen or Rashawn Gary. I, I had a feeling once you said it might not what, be what people think. And my, my first thought was Brian Burns. So I, you kind of see where I'm going with this, right? Because he, I, I just feel like the way if you've heard Burns talk about the way he plays the game, I just think John Gruden and, and, and Mayock they just love that type of stuff. I, I just I think he's a really would be a really good fit, and I think they they kind of would see that. And they obviously they need a pass rusher, dude. I mean, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ! I mean, they were they were absolutely abysmal at rushing the passer last year. I mean, those numbers were just like astonishingly oh, bad, yeah. astonishingly bad. And it's just I think you know it's not like Derek Carr is a completely broken quarterback. I don't think they have to rush it here, and with no. them. And I just feel I like agree with they're. That. I just feel like they're going to end up 
they're going to go with like a guy like Burns at that point, and they're going to do it. No, I agree. I think Burns makes a ton of sense. I I have listened to uh, a number of interviews that Brian Burns has done, and you know, like you said, he comes off as you know a very smart guy, very cerebral about uh, not only his game but how he goes uh, about attacking uh, opposing offensive tackles. Um, I think he showed a lot of character and uh, work ethic by getting himself up to 250 for the combine and really showing out at the combine at that weight. So I think, you know, as you said, he, he comes off like a pretty high character guy. Um, and I personally have him as a top 10 uh, overall prospect in this draft. I think, you know, are there concerns about his strength in holding up against the run and, you know, being able to win with power as a pass rusher? Sure. But, there's a lot of other awesome stuff he can do with his speed, flexibility, his hand usage, uh, pretty high IQ player on the field. So I think, you know, I I certainly wouldn't fault them for going Brian Burns at all at four. I think, you know, I think he is a, you know, I don't think he's on the level of Nick Bosa, but he's a premium pass rusher in this class. So I think that, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, as, you know, and so far on my board, I've got... Uh, Murray, Bosa, and uh, you know, Fidget, and uh, you know, pretty much Haskins off the board at three with a trade up with Cincinnati uh, at four. I think Oakland's just going to take the best player available, and uh, the best player available is Quinnen Williams. Kind of creates a logjam at defensive tackle, especially you know they do have a decent crop of defensive tackles. It's pro- it's easily their strongest position group with uh, uh, Hall. Hurst and uh, Hankins, you had Quinn and Williams to that group. Um, it's certainly a real strength. I don't how the word how the rotations work out. Uh, Paul Gunther is going to have his hands full, but um, I think I just think that Oakland's going to go best player available. It's been you know a lot's come out about they're either going Quinnen or Devin White. I get why there's a lot of Devin White talk, but. I think I just think that's too early for a linebacker. Off-ball linebackers going in the top five isn't something we usually see, and I don't think that's going to continue for a team that desperately needs help at pass rush. And even though Quinnen Williams doesn't play, you know, defensive end, he certainly helps you rush the passer. So I think that's what Oakland's going to do. I think uh, the only way I well, I wouldn't say the only way we would see something different. Um, I think you know on my board. Uh, Josh Allen out of Kentucky is available as well. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense here, too, if you want a pass rusher. Um, very high upside. Uh, improved a ton from his junior year to his senior year. Gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of you know, what you can do with him as a pass rusher and uh, dropping him into coverage. Uh, has experience in you know, dropping into you know, man and you know, covering uh, – the flats in, in zone coverage. Uh, but I think for the Raiders, um, I just think they, they go BPA because they kind of need BPA, especially for that defense where all you really have is uh, LaMarcus Joyner and Gary on Conley. Uh, like I said, they literally and, could go uh, any, any direction. Tackles. They're a wild card. That's why yeah. I say they're a wild card because they could literally they go are. anywhere because they are, they are so devoid of talent, like kind of like the dolphins are. And they're just, they are, very, very, like, much looking for. I'm not completely devoid. I mean, obviously, the addition with Antonio Brown and, you know, whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Antonio but... Brown, uh, <laughs> Trent Brown, uh, Tyrell Williams, 
you know, I mentioned earlier LaMarcus Joyner. Um, so they've certainly added pieces, but yeah, they, they still need a lot of help. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I couldn't, would not be, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd I'd be more like kind of skeptical. Cause like you said, I think that rotation would be a little funky unless they're really, really not confident about like Mo Hurst's like, you know, medicals that's, in the future. And, and yeah, I, then I guess I could see factor. that. Yeah. And I guess I could see that, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. I, I mean, it's hard to pass on a guy like Quentin Williams. Oh, if he's there at four, yeah. it, it is really hard. Yeah. This is, this is probably, this is one of the picks that I really didn't feel that confident with because it makes the, because at, well, at one, as you said, you know, Oakland really is the, the wild card. You know, in this in the early stages of the draft, and personally, I think that uh, that at four is really when the draft starts because I think you know at one Arizona, as far as we know, probably taking you know Kyler. Uh, San Francisco seems like a decent bet to take Bosa. I think three is where you see a team jump up for uh, quarterback more than likely Dwayne Haskins, but uh, could be Drew Locke as well. But I think four is when the the draft is really going to heat up. It, that's when it's really going to start. And uh, I think that's, you know, this is uh, where we're going to see some drama because uh, it seems like that's what John Gruden is best at, is stirring up drama in the NFL. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Well, the next pick, we at number five, and we have Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, well, you know, let's be frank, the Tampa D was uh, less than stellar last year. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. it, it, was not, it was not pretty. Um, not they, at all. It was all offense and no defense for for Tampa, and uh, but now with the board here the way it is laid out in my mock draft, they have some pretty serious options here. They can go with Ed Oliver. They could go with either of the Devin linebackers. Um, even Byron Murphy, Gree Williams, all sound like they could help Tampa Bay. But in my draft here, Josh Allen is fallen. And he is available at number five. I just have a hard time believing Tampa passes up on a guy that they can cement as their day one primary edge guy. And a guy that can, like you said, is so versatile and can be played in coverage and can do a lot of different things for you. And I really think Tampa just needs a player like that. And they're just, they're just really missing that type of player right now. And, you know, I mean, especially with the uncertainty surrounding Gerald McCoy and, for them, and they just they need that new star on their defensive line. I think, and just or in the I'm just on the defense in general, and I think Allen might just be that guy for them if he's there. Yeah, I think I think if Allen's there, I think it makes a lot of sense that that's the pick. Um, I definitely wouldn't see uh, Josh Allen's slide uh, fall much further than five. I'd say his floor is probably six to the Giants. So I think this is right around the value for Josh Allen. It. It lines up a lot with the uh, Tampa Bay's needs on defense, which is pretty much everywhere. <laughs> like. So yeah, you know, I I I really like Josh Allen. I have him as my fifth overall player, so it lines right up for me. Um, I think, however, I think they go in a slightly different direction. I think you're you're on point with the the defensive line, but I'm going to go inside, and I'm going to go get. I think that they are going to go get Gerald McCoy's replacement mm-hmm. in Ed Oliver. I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Tampa Bay taking Devin White. 
I'm not so sure they don't have, you know, they have, obviously, Levante David is yeah, I am not really sold. good. I am not sold on that at all. I, at all. I'm not either. I, personally, I think this is, I think they want the Devin White stuff out there because I don't think they want anyone potentially jumping them for Ed Oliver or, you know, whoever, or, you know, a defensive lineman like Josh Allen. I think they want someone to think that they're taking Devin White and that, you know, hey, maybe we can sit and have Ed Oliver fall into our lap. No, I don't think, especially with Joe McCoy's age, his contract, uh, they're, you know, they're able to get out of McCoy's uh, contract pretty easily at this point. And I think Ed Oliver is just, he's just too talented, too athletic, too strong, uh, too good, frankly, uh, to pass up at this point. I think he makes a lot of sense in terms of replacing uh, Joe McCoy and, uh, you know, just being an all-around excellent uh, player and uh, someone to to build on for that defense. Because I think that's what they messed up last year. Last year they could have took Derwin James, uh, a player who I thought uh, should have been the de- uh, defensive rookie of the year because I believe Darius Leonard won that award last yes. year. Yes. And it's not to say that, you know, Darius Leonard's a scrub or anything. He's awesome. <laughs> He's a fantastic linebacker. But, you know, I think that uh, Der- the impact that Derwin James makes uh, on a play-to-play basis is just, you know, it's it's on another level than uh, from any other rookie uh, defensive player I saw last year. But my point is, is that they need – that one star defensive player to build around. And I think you were getting to that with uh, your Josh Allen pick. And I think, you know, we're on the same wavelength. And uh, that's why I think Ed Oliver uh, makes a lot of sense at five. And I think that's the direction, the direction that they're going to go in. Oh yeah. I hundred percent bounce back and forth on this one with, with him and Allen, because it's, it's either way, you're not going to go really wrong here if you're Tampa. And I, it's really like, it's like a kind of apples to oranges, you know, it's like, you know what? You, really, it's not that like big of a of a deal either way. You're getting a, a player that's going to help you immediately um, in either guy, and I think I think it's it, I think it's either of those guys for them at that point. I really I really believe that, especially if obviously yeah. if Allen's there, you know, it's it's going to be between those two for my in my opinion. But um, anyway, now again another kind of a interesting team as of late is the, number six is the G Men, and uh, now they have two picks after the absolutely insane OBJ uh, craziness um, that I I'm still trying to process and <laughs> um, in a good way. <laughs> um, but yeah. Freaking Gettleman. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have a lot of options, but for God's sakes, if one of them isn't addressing the offensive line again, he may truly be the <laughs> biggest idiot ever because, oh my God, like it just, for whatever reason, even after adding Will Hernandez and, and even Nate Solder, it's just like, it didn't even seem to get that much better for them. It's like, it almost like, Not, yeah. it really wasn't, it wasn't that much better. And because Solder really didn't perform up to expectations. Let's let's no, be he, real. Yeah, he underperformed. And Will Hernandez was the best, uh, oh, probably yeah. the best offensive lineman on on that uh, on the team. Absolutely, not great when you're paying Nate Solder what you're paying Nate Solder. And and he, you hear you have Jawan Taylor sitting right here in your lap, 
has been pretty much the clear-cut OT one uh, to many, including myself. With Solder on one side, Hernandez inside, but drafting Taylor, you know, you have the makings of a line that can actually probably start helping out Barkley between the tackles and protecting the quarterback. I say the quarterback because there's a lot of uncertainty there. I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that we'll be getting to that later. <laughs> yes, but I think right now at six, I think the Giants, they are not going to mess around. They are going to pick the best player available on their board, which is, I think, 100% Jawan Taylor at this point. I mean, it's got to be done. It's It has to be done. you got to bookend that, that offensive line with a guy like him. I, I just I just don't think that they, he'd be even that stupid to to not do that, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, so how I made the mock is I made a no-trade mock. So to start out, it was the first five picks were Kyler, uh, Bosa, uh, Josh Allen, Quinnen Williams, uh, Ed Oliver. And so at six, you know, looking at a few different things, um, I do not think that they will go quarterback at six, which is just unbelievably foolish if Dwayne Haskins is still on the board at six and they do not pick him. It would just be one of the dumbest things ever. Uh, wow. So really? That I think that is a really great fit. Uh, I actually disagree with your... you. I actually personally disagree with you on that, but I, I, I appreciate your, you know, your, your opinion on that though. I, guess. I think, I mean, I just, I really like Haskins. Really, I think he's a really promising fit in Shermer. And, you know, I, we've talked about it with a number of teams like Miami and, uh, you know, I, I talked about it with Cincinnati and Denver. You got to go get your guy. And if you have, I think if you have an inkling of a doubt, an inkling of a notion that Dwayne Haskins is the guy, you go get him. You do whatever it takes to go get him. You have the ammo. You have six, seventeen, and an early second round pick. You can make it happen. So you know, I think I think Haskins could, can be their guy, and I would move heaven and earth to make it happen personally. But that's not what I think is going to happen. I do not think that they will take a quarterback at six. Um, I also am a little skeptical that they take an offensive lineman. I actually, it's. It's good that you brought up Jawan Taylor because I think he could be a sneaky option at five for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hmm. They need help on the right side of their offensive line. DeMar Dotson is old. He's 33 years old. He's on the last year of his deal. They could use uh, an error apparent at right tackle uh, opposite Donovan Smith, who's on a franchise tag. So his future, his long-term future in uh, in Tampa Bay is uncertain. They also really just need to protect Jameis Winston, and they did not do a, that good of a job of it last year. And uh, if you really want to find out what Jameis Winston is all about uh, under Bruce Arians, you know, one of the best ways to do that is to get him some protection and really see what Jameis is all about. So I think that's a sneaky option that could happen. But rounding back to the Giants, um, with the way my board has fell, I think that uh, this is where Devin White comes off the board. I think Whoa. uh He'll be he'll just be the best uh, player available on the Giants board, and you know when you're talking about the Giants defense, they kind of need to take the best defensive talent they possibly can if they elect to uh, to uh, not go quarterback. Because you know you look at linebacker Alec Ogletree is eh yeah to say the least. 
he doesn't inspire confidence. Um, obviously, at edge rusher, you only have Lorenzo Carter, and even then, he's more of a project than a guy who you are 100% confident in of uh, making a good impact in 2019. So I think edge rusher is a possibility with guys like Brian Burns and Montez Sweat who are still available on my board. Um, I know there's been talk about Rashawn Gary. I don't really see that as much. Um, oh, oh, God. It, it help could me. happen. So help me God if the Giants actually do that. They're, they are truly the dumbest freaking franchise in the NFL. Because... It could happen, but I personally, I think that's a a little bit too much of a stretch. I know, you know, I'm not going to give Dave Gettleman any credit, so, you know, nothing would surprise me, but I don't think that's, like, the most likely outcome. I think uh, they just take Devin White, who I think will be uh, perceived by them and probably by many teams to be the best uh, defensive player or just the best player overall left on the board. Wow. See, I've... I never even considered Devin White at the spot, and that's just, it's just that I really like enjoy this doing this because it's like such a different point of view, and I never yeah. like really thought of it that way, you know. But like, it's like how like you know it's funny because like we've had like completely different picks in every single one of our first picks, but like <laughs> there's there's like I, I can see the reasoning in it. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I can I, absolutely I, see it, but yeah, yeah. I think they all make sense, and I think that's the beauty of this draft, and you know, I think this one in particular is that. So many teams could go in so many different directions, and I think a fair amount of those directions make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah interesting. Definitely wait to the Giants. Uh, it's, I gotta, I gotta like think about that one a little more later uh, for sure. They do need a lot of help at backer. Yeah, so that's another reason why I was like, okay, this this makes a lot of sense in my mind. Right. Well, now we move to number seven in Jacksonville. Now this, uh, it, this is interesting and. I think they're kind of bummed out here because their number one offensive lineman and their top edge guys have already been plucked out. You know, they, they can't really go there. So what do they do? As alluring as a DK Metcalf could be here, I don't think he's Tom Coughlin's type of player. And they still may want to see what they have in a guy like DJ Chark, a healthy Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook, and Keelan Cole now that they actually have an actual quarterback in Nick Foles. And let's be realistic, Jeff Swaim is their tight end one. That doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence (laughs) there at all. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. TJ Hawkinson is a hard-working, game-changing kind of tight end that Tom Coughlin probably would salivate over, and I think he absolutely pulls the trigger on it here. You know, it's that's a been a always was a big part of Tom Coughlin, you know, with, with the Giants when he picked Shockey, and I could see the same sort of thing here with Hawkinson going here at number seven to Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, you look at what uh, Foles has done with a guy like Zach Ertz in, uh, in Philadelphia. And obviously, you know, Hawkinson and Ertz are different players. I think Noah Fant is more comparable to Ertz than, than Hawk is. But I think the sentiment is the same in, in that, you know, you can – Foles has found ways to use his tight ends to, to use very talented tight ends to uh, great effectiveness. And as you said, they just, they need, they do need a jolt to their passing attack and uh, they just don't really have much of anything at tight end. And I'm really glad that you brought up their wide receiver core because a lot of people are talking about how wide receiver is like their biggest need. And I look at the guys that they have and I'm looking at, you know, shark Lee, uh, DD Westbrook and, uh, 
you know, the guys that – and, uh, you know, that overall core. And I'm like, there's talent here to work with. Yeah, these, yeah. Guys, right. these guys aren't scrubs. Yeah, Marquise, like, Lee, Marquise Lee got hurt early in the year. I mean, that was – it wasn't like he had not much of an opportunity anyway. And that you had Blake Bortles throwing to them. The guy exactly. is just a scrub. I mean, it's yeah. like – Come on, you got to give these guys a shot. They're young and there's talent there. Even Keelan Cole, I think, is pretty solid. I do too. I think he's a guy that, you know, he's one of the many, you know, potential guys in that wide receiver. And I think, you know, when you have uh, those four guys, you got to think one or two of them are going to be able to separate themselves as, you know, primary targets out uh, out wide. So I think it makes a lot of sense for them to stick with. You know, maybe they add a wide receiver in uh, in day three, or maybe even day two if they fancy it. But you know, not super early. I don't. I don't think you know they just aren't that desperate enough. And you have a good quarterback in Nick Foles. So uh, I, I do. I am really glad that you mentioned that. Um, I'm also glad that you mentioned uh, edge rusher Calais Campbell is old. He's awesome, but he's 33 now, I believe. Right. Uh, you know, he's not – you need someone long-term opposite uh, Yannick Ngakwe. And uh, Duan Smoot from Illinois is probably not the answer there. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, you know, Rashawn Gary, Montez Sweat, Brian Burns, the guys that we've, you know, mm-hmm. talked about already. Makes a lot of sense. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. They spent a pick uh, last year on Taven Bryan, a defensive tackle, which – you know, people probably saw more of as a luxury pick. Well, Malik Jackson's gone. Guess who's the starter? Taven Bryan. Mm-hmm. So I think a very similar thing could happen if they go edge rusher. Um, but on my board, uh, the guy that you had going number six overall to the Giants is available. Mm-hmm. And I think this makes a ton of sense. Um, Juwan Taylor's probably OT1 on most uh, and on a lot of NFL boards, probably, and I have him going number seven to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They need right tackle help. I like Will Richardson out of NC State, but I just think it. You know, I don't think they're going to pass up a, a right tackle that's going to play from day one and can really help their offensive line from a much maligned and injured group that last year. They need some stability there once again, and uh, I think it's. I think all of a sudden it becomes a pretty good offensive line group once they're all healthy. Yeah, 100% agree with you. I, I think if, if he was there, I think absolutely Jacksonville would, would go with him. Uh, but I, I just, you know, the way mine fell, it's just that that's, you kind of go drop down to their, like, kind of their second most or third most need. And, you know, obviously yeah, the tight end is, is definitely like a, a need there and uh, Hawk Hawk would be just a, a jolt like you said to their their offense so I think it would be either way you know it would, it would work out pretty well for Jacksonville but um now we go to number eight and so in my situation here Detroit's probably really sad about Hawkinson getting taken the pick before them but they absolutely have a plan b so Darius Slay is a darn good corner but they've never been quite able to find his right hand man until now Greedy Williams is long and can really blanket guys in coverage. I question myself a bit on this one as I feel Patricia is big on effort coming from the Pat system, and that was a serious area of concern at times for Greedy. But I think they end up taking the chance, and they do pick Greedy Williams just based on his upside in coverage and being able to lock, like, help lock down another guy across from Darius Slay. 
Yeah, uh, they they most certainly need help at cornerback. Uh, as you said, opposite Darius Slay, I think that's honestly probably their number one need is uh, someone at cor- someone at a uh, cornerback opposite Slay. I went in a different direction at eight. Uh, first of all, I just would like to say this is I have I have a few spots that I think are really likely to be trade down spots. Uh, obviously, I talked about the first one being the Jets at three. I think this is the second one, Detroit at eight. Mm. They really want to get out of this pick because the value for what they need isn't really great. Tight ends in the top ten, well, they already tried that once and they passed on Aaron Donald. So, you know, I Mm. think uh, they might be a little scarred about that. And uh, even, you know, the cornerback value doesn't kick off in the top ten more more than likely. Um, So I think, you know, when uh, when you take a look at what they need, which is, you know, uh, guard, uh, which I'll get to in a second, uh, guard, cornerback, tight end. I think the value uh, makes a lot more sense in the teens, potentially Atlanta, if Ed Oliver is still on the board and they want to jump Buffalo, or, hmm. you know, whoever. Uh, maybe maybe Pittsburgh moves up for Devin Bush uh, because they have, you know, the Steelers have 10 picks in this year's draft. I'm not sold that they're going to use all of those picks. And I know that they love Devin Bush. So I think uh, you look at maybe Carolina wants to jump, jump a couple teams for an edge rusher or, or, an, or an offensive lineman of their choice. Uh, maybe Washington wants to jump Denver for Drew Locke. They, you know, I think uh, regardless, I think Detroit is a spot that, I think we're going to see another trade-up. However, if Detroit does stay at this pick, I have them taking Jonah Williams, offensive lineman out of Alabama, a five-spot player on the offensive line, can play play anywhere anywhere in there, super versatile, a stalwart of that Crimson Tide offensive line for three years, Uh, one of the most solid players in this draft. I think whatever position he plays, he'll play at at least a Pro Bowl level. Charts uh, every single one of his plays. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the dedication and work ethic on this guy is crazy. You know, you mentioned the spreadsheet stuff, which, you know, I absolutely love. I think that's fantastic. And it's really smart, too. Um, I mean, you know, anything to help get you an advantage over your opponent, uh, that's, you know, within within the rule. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Why not use it? Um, they have... You know, our lads has their starting right guard being Kenny Wiggins. Oh. You know, because <laughs> uh, TJ Lang retired. That's right, so, yeah. That's right. They need a guard. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about maybe Tyrell Crosby becoming their new right guard. but And I really like uh, Tyrell Crosby's game coming out of uh, Oregon last year, but concussion, concussion history really scares me. Mm. Um, and I think that's gonna that could scare the Lions too. So I think uh, get yourself a plug-and-play guy like Jonah Williams. I think that makes a ton of sense, whether you want him playing right guard or uh, maybe you know you shuffle things around. You have Frank Ragnow play center, and uh, you have Glasgow and Jonah play guard, or you have Jonah play center and you have Ragnow Glasgow play guard. Um, I just think that uh, considering uh, the the value of uh, 
where you know of what's you know important to a lot of teams offensive line just keeps getting more and more important as these pass rushers become better and better and better so i think it makes a lot of sense for uh, jonah to come off here that's interesting i i you know i was thinking of like offensive line as well it would, i just thought the i think they they could have i don't think it was like their offensive line was as bad to the point where they they have to do it right there. I think they can definitely address that later in the draft. That's what my, was my kind of my thought when I was processing this. And I thought, you know, yeah, maybe greedy might be a reach there, maybe a little bit, but I think that they they want to secure that guy, you know, across from Slay. That was just my that was my yeah. thought on it. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And again, you know, I think would be you know, that's the backup plan for what I think is going to happen. I really think Detroit is trading out of this pick. I huh. think someone someone wow. else is jumping up to 8. But now let's get to the Buffalo Bills at number nine, and I know so many people want to mock DK Metcalf here. I and I get it, I really, I do. But for the love of God, Ed Oliver's right there. <laughs> He's right Just there. He's right there. The Bills absolutely cannot pass on the freakish interior lineman at this point, and they go with the best player available. Kyle Williams retired, and although he plays a little differently than him, Oliver would be a more than capable replacement for him. And I just just think Ed Oliver, he has that incredible upside and just amazing ability. And I think that would just give a, a big, big boost to the Bills' defense. You know, you have to replace a guy like Kyle Williams. The guy is just a – he was a leader on defense. And, you know, it's hard to, to get somebody that can really go in there and potentially have that same type of production as him. And Ed Oliver is one of those guys that could probably do it, and maybe then some. So, I, I that's my personally what I think they they do. Even though I know a lot of people are just they really love the Metcalf to the Buffalo marriage. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, board at nine, I would be uh, sprinting faster than John Ross <laughs> John Ross at the combine to turn in that car uh, for Ed Allen because that is just a home run pick right there. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm thinking along a similar vein and a similar thought process. Um, on my board, uh, the top two tight ends are available in TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. Uh, I know a lot of people think that tight end is a big need for Buffalo, and it kind of is. So I understand why people would want to see maybe TJ Hawkinson mock to this pick. However, uh, I'm going to do some interesting stuff with the tight ends and uh, – you might you might uh, be surprised at where I have them going, but uh, you know I think in, it makes a little bit of sense when uh, uh, you keep in mind the name of O.J. Howard, and I will get to that later. I promise I will get to that later. That, but uh, that's just kind of a, a little primer of what's to come. But right now, uh, at number nine, I have uh, Buffalo taking one of the combine standouts and a guy that has. Uh, had a lot of discussion and argument uh, had about him for the past, however, <laughs> since August, maybe even before, and that is uh, Mich- Michigan defensive lineman Gary. I do I as soon as you said that, like exactly who you were talking about, as soon as you said that, like first sentence, I'm like, oh God, Gary. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not a massive fan of this pick, but I think it, I think, you know, like you said, uh, Kyle Williams is gone, and I think. You know, talking about, you know, thinking about who can get the most out of Gary, I think Sean McDermott is a really good defensive coach. Uh, he's done wonders with Tredavious White on the back end. 
Um, and it could be he's said doing some good stuff with uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano at linebacker, and I think he could do some really good stuff with Rashawn with uh, Rashawn Gary, whether he plays him at defensive end or you know where. And, and I think that's he what would I probably was, play inside. That's what I was just about to get to. Yeah, in this case here, and a lot of people feel that including myself, that probably Gary would be more suited inside just the way he moves around and everything. And I do too. I think he's better inside. Yeah, and I just think it would be a more of a of a fit for him. And yeah, I, I could actually see if that's the way they go and want to do I could actually see that. I didn't think about that, but that, that's actually a good point. But yeah, obviously in mind is different. It's like, I, you know, Oliver's there and I think they would, they would friggin' do somersaults to get oh, to the yeah. podium. To no question. And then that pick. But now, here's where it starts to get interesting again at number 10. Oh, yeah, boy. It's the Denver Broncos. So, you know, maybe the sensible thing here for John Elway to do is, is bolster that linebacker core with one more stud in Devin White. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> un- unfortunately, I don't think John Elway is going to do the sensible thing because Elway doesn't usually do that. So... Joe Flacco is not the long-term answer at quarterback. We all know this. You, like you said before, it, dude, it's it's not it's no secret. Elway ends up stunning the draft with probably the second biggest shockwave after the Dolphins trade, and takes Drew Locke, who he feels has the potential and is Elway's preferred quarterback archetype. Yeah, I've got the same thing. Uh, I've got Locke going off the board at ten. I think everyone has thought this since the Senior Bowl. Where you know, you know, everyone, all the, all these reporters started coming out and saying, "Hey, Drew Lock loves," uh, or uh, John Elway loves Drew Lock, which I think everyone, you know, everyone and their mother would have been able to yeah, guess. Right. That uh, it's like Elway. Elway, Elway is like, not a good guy to like smokescreen. I, I think Elway's just one no. of those guys. He just says what he, he just says it, and then it's like, yeah, he's yeah. he's telling the truth. So, yeah, I think I don't. I don't think this pick needs too much explanation. I think. I think most people understand that, you know, if they go quarterback, it kind of makes sense that Drew Locke would be their guy. Yeah, it's it's just it's us always type of guy, just tall and you know, got an arm and yeah, it's 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 all it's hopefully this is not Brock Osweiler all over again, <laughs> Paxton Lynch all over again. You know, like it's yeah. Oh man, you just you hope you know you really hope and. And, it, it, you know, I've liked some of what – I've liked a lot of what they've done in the offseason. I like the Kareem Jackson signing. I really like mm. the Juwan James signing. Uh, I It broke my heart to see Mike Munchak leave Pittsburgh, but, I mean, oh, yeah. he is a huge upgrade in terms of uh, coaching for that offensive line. I think if anyone can get the most out of Juwan James, it's Mike Munchak. And uh, I loved the Vic Bangio uh, appointment for, uh, for their head coaching vacancy. I think Bangio is going to do a lot with that de- – I mean – Vic Vangio coaching Bradley Chubb and, and uh, Von Miller. Von Miller. Oof, boy. Man. Man. Dangerous. That is – yeah, that's dangerous. So, you know, um, I, I'd i like – you know, on one hand, they really do need to get a quarterback. Yeah. Um, I just – I rat – I, you know, I just – I just like Dwayne Haskins better than uh, Drew Locke as a prospect. So that's kind of my feelings on which quarterback I would go get. Right, right. And I, I, I get that. Trust me. I mean, I, I think it, for me it's very hard to distinguish. It's very hard with these quarterbacks. It's just because it's just, I don't know, I'm just not in love with a lot of these guys. Um, so it's like I'm, not, I'm just not really high on a whole lot of them. So it's like I don't have a strong opinion 
you know, either way with either of them. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but I just think it's tough for, uh, you know, even if Denver does go Devin White, which don't get me wrong, like that would be a good pick because, you know, I mean, Vangio developing Devin White sounds like a good deal to me, you know, hard to see that turning out really poorly, but it kind of seems like that there are a lot of teams that are, you know, gearing up to try and get some quarterbacks next year, you know, Oakland, potentially Tampa Bay, potentially Tennessee, um, Miami, you know, it, it just seems like there are a number of teams that could be looking to jump up and get yeah. a premier quarterback in 2020, but not every team can do that. There are only so many yeah. quarterback prospects worthy of being taken highly. So mm, yeah. if someone like Haskins is there, or, you know, it, if Haskins or Locker, whoever they like is there, you kind of just go ha- have to, you know, be aggressive and make sure that you get the guy you like. Because there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to do that in 2020. Yeah, I mean, because like, you know, you would have if 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 like the Denver Broncos were to go linebacker, because then you could have Todd Davis and Devin White inside. That's pretty darn good. I mean, Devin White is the understudy. Todd to Todd Davis is yeah. Sounds really good. Good deal to me. Yeah, man. That's uh, you know, and Josie Jewell was not you know nothing like you know special or anything. And uh, I, I think it, it would be the like I said the probably the the pick you'd want, but like I just don't I just don't think that you know I think like, no, Elway is just gonna fall in love with him at lock, and <coughs> it's just gonna be too hard for him to pass up. But now let's go to a number eleven, and the Bengals are now um, doing somersaults uh, in in their uh, draft room because Elway just went and uh, re- reached for lock. <laughs> um. <laughs> Look, as much as I could see them go with an offensive lineman here, and I get that because, like, listen, Bobby Hart, can, really? Nah, fam. Can we nah, not? Fam. Like, why? <laughs> why Why did you sign him to a three-year $21 million deal? Like, to be fair, what? to be fair, how that deal is structured, it's really a one-year deal. I mean, it's still uh, yeah. a terrible deal, oh, but it's... it's more a one-year deal than a three-year deal. <laughs> It's yeah. It, any way you split it, it's it's, it's bad. It, it, Bobby Hart was horrible, and I don't understand why he was even put back in there. They've never been able to replace Andrew Whitworth at all, and they still haven't been well, able to. Well, they did replace it. They they replaced him with Cordy Glenn. They just haven't yeah. been able to replace any other part of their offense. Right. I mean, have right. they have they have they been able to replace Kevin Zeitler? No. No. <laughs> no. I mean, jeez. You know, come on, he's one of the best guards in football, and, and you know, you've done squat to do anything about it. Yeah, right, and so as much as I really I could have saw them going offensive line here, and I really considered it, look, their defense was so unexpectedly bad last year, like, horribly so. I, I, it was unbelievable, actually, how bad the Bengals' defense was. Like, it, it just didn't, they didn't seem that bad on paper, but they really were. And I think just a big part of the problem is they need a defensive quarterback out there right now. And enter Devin White, who they absolutely sprint to the podium for at this point when he falls to them at 11. And I just think they need that. Perfect is washed and just a dumbass. And to be, let's just be honest. Also on the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, right. And, oh, Jesus, I forgot that he made, oh, my God, see and yeah. well, <laughs> I uh, I forgot about that one. I apologize. Um, it, it, I mean, it's not like you know. I mean, the only guy 
guy that you really care about in that linebacking core is uh, Malik Jefferson. And, you know, it's not like he played all that much right. in uh, 2018. So he's more of an unknown quantity. So yeah, the Bengals really have nothing there. It, it's just that you got you got to think if Devin White's there. I mean, it, I just don't think I can't see them passing him. Uh, I just really can't couldn't see it. Yeah, um, I mean they they were probably like at least from from the football I watched, they were the slowest linebacker core in the NFL, and you know in teams I watched. I, I remember, I think it was, yeah, I think it was uh, one of the Steelers games. And just trying to watch Vontez Burfitt move was just, it made my entire body want to vomit. Because the dude was so slow. No explosiveness, uh, no fluidity or flexibility. Dude was like, you know, pulling a, a, a Orlando Brown 40 time out there. He could not move at all. Uh, Nick Vigil isn't exactly a super athlete back there either um vincent ray whatever slow um, slow linebackers is like the number one way to just have like a terrible defense now in the nfl and it killed them that i firmly believe that and from what i watched that was one of the main reasons why their defense was just so horrible they had no speed at linebacker and it just ruined that link between the, their front line to their secondary just was not there because there was no athleticism and no speed. And Malik Jeff and Malik Jefferson wasn't, you know, ready in terms of, uh, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, mentally and oh, right, right. insofar as, you know, having those advanced instincts and just the, uh, the acquired smarts and knowledge that, uh, that he wasn't really ready to play. Now, I think he should probably get a look at a bigger role in 2019 just because they really, as I said, they really let us in there. And, you know, all things considered, he was really good at Texas, and he was a great athlete there. And, you know, he was a guy I personally liked coming out, um, coming out of that draft. And, you know, it's not like they could do worse. And mm, right. I think, <laughs> you know, talking about Devin White, you're getting a guy that great physical tools – you know what the what the fastest linebacker in that like six two two forty, which oh, is just insane. That was just nuts. And uh, the instincts have improved year to year. You know, obviously everyone knows that he was originally recruited. You know, a running back recruit coming out. You know, has only been playing linebacker the past you know two or three you know three years. So that's pretty wild to think about. That's really yeah, wild to think about. That. It's he's pretty far along if you think about it in terms of uh, in terms of his instincts and. Uh, you know, how he processes the game. So I think that makes a ton of sense. Obviously, I've talked about, uh, I talked about Cincinnati trading up for Dwayne Haskins. I think one way or another, they're going to get uh, the Ohio State product. Um, I just think that with Zach Taylor and uh, that new head coach, you probably want a fresh start since Andy Dalton's nothing special. Um, mm. But I think, I think they have a number of options. Uh, you talked about going off as a line at right tackle. Um, maybe Cody Ford? Right, that's Maybe. who I was. I and it's funny. It's funny you. Maybe. It's funny you say his name because he's not going to be. I'm actually going to be mentioning him pretty shortly. <laughs> Maybe Jonah Williams if he if he uh, gets this far. Um, uh, obviously, uh, talk about fast linebackers. Devin Bush, you know, goes without saying. But uh, mm-hmm. I think they go quarterback. Huh. all right. Yeah, it's uh, I could I mean obviously when I've been always I actually been one of the people pound on the table saying 
watch out for the Bengals picking a quarterback. And I, so I, I could see it happening if the cards fall the right way or a certain way. And you know, the other guys that they may may have not, they may have wanted aren't quite there. And then I could definitely see it happening. So definitely I could see this since he going a lot of different directions there. Um, but now we get, and now this was a pick I struggled with trying to figure out because green Bay is just such, they're such a weird team to kind of predict what they want to do. Um, and now, especially with two first rounders, it's even harder. <laughs> so they just have so many different ways they could go here. And, I had so much trouble figuring this out, and I just kind of like I went up and down the roster, and I'm like, you know, yeah, they could go there, but it's not that much of a need. They could go there; it's not that much of a need. And then I kind of I got to the offensive line, and it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look bad, but you have to remember now, Brian Balaga's health is a bit of a question mark now, and it's you know you're you're looking at it and you go. You know, he's been around. Balaga's been around. He's His health is a little in question now. I think Green Bay says, screw it. Let's go with Cody Ford here, and let's get some depth on our offensive line. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of the positions I was really thinking about. I think – so I'll, I'll preface my, my pick saying this. I think – that if Jonah Williams is on the board at 12, he's the pick. Because I think they have... Who do they get at guard? Because I know they picked up someone in free agency. Um, I think it's... Yeah, Billy Turner. Um, kind of swing tackle guard from uh, Denver. Right. Mm. They paid him a fair chunk of change, but you know, not, it's not so much that you know he has to be pigeonholed into a starting role. Uh, you mentioned Brian Bulaga, uh you know, I think he's 30 now. Yeah, you mentioned the injuries. He's also on the last year of his contract. So I think it makes sense where, uh, you know, you take uh, Jonah Williams, with, play him at right guard, or, you know, maybe Billy Turner wins the job and Jonah just chills for a year as uh, mm. as your sixth O-lineman. Um, because, you know, I, with uh, the intent that he's your right tackle of the future once you let Bulaga go. Um, so I think that I, I just want to preface by saying that I think if he's there, I think that makes a ton of sense uh, for Green Bay and that that would be the direction that they go in. But uh, with him off the board, I took a, a weird direction considering what they did in free, agent, free agency. And I think you're, and I think, uh, I think you kind of know where I'm uh, going yeah. in mm. terms of uh, yes. what I'm going to do. Um, I would like to start out by saying that uh, – the Packers did have the best signing in all of free agency with that Adrian Amos deal at like $9 million a year. Yes. I don't know how Amos didn't break double digits in terms of annual value. Great That's deal. just insane Great because deal. he's a damn good safety. Um, and especially with, you know, I mean, I'm not saying he's as good as Collins or, uh, or, or Tyron Matthew, but like this dude is good. He's really good on the back end, and the fact that there wasn't a massive market for him is, you know, kind of has me scratching my head. But regardless, uh, credit where credit is due for uh, picking up on that bargain. Um, but when you talk about what Green Bay's done in free agency, you have to mention Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith mm-hmm. uh, because those were their two big coups. Right. Uh, Zadarius Smith from uh, the Ravens 
and Preston Smith from the Redskins. I still think that they could go edge rusher. Uh, Fackrell, there, uh, he had a de- he had a pretty good year last year, but you know, probably not a guy that you want as your you know really full time starter. Um, Zadarius Smith is like the biggest. He was the biggest in terms of like weight outside linebacker last year, and that you know title of outside linebacker is kind of in name only on the inside as a lot as a as a as a pass rusher and uh that kind of led me to thinking maybe they do go pass rusher at 12 where you know after these after these next two or three guys the the bottom really starts to fall out in terms of true day one impact pass rushers so uh that's why at 12 I had them going Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State mm You'll be hearing his name from me soon as well. So, <laughs> but yes, I, I I can see that. Um, I was thinking about it because like I was like you know, I could also see them. I could also see them going Brian Burns there since he is available still. I believe. Yeah. In your in I, your. I will be getting to him shortly. So yeah. Right. Don't worry, Brian ben, Brian Burns fans out there. He he's not long for this draft. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I could I could see it. Uh, because that's why I said because like I was just I really struggled with this Green Bay pick because I just like think they're just so they're really not like like horribly deficient in one area. It's just like they're kind of, they can kind of go a lot of different different ways, and. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I think like, they go offensive line. They could go edge. You know, they kind of have, uh, you know, different a lot of different things they could do there. So, I I could see that. So, but now we're back on the pick thirteen, and in my draft, this is where San Fran is picking because they of the big <laughs> trade I I made, and um, so San Fran is now they're after trading down to this spot, they are thrilled that Byron Murphy is on the board. They ab- they absolutely nice. need a counterpart for Richard Sherman, who is still good, but is climbing in age. They got gashed regularly, and Murphy is such a darn good zone coverage guy who plays with a ton of intensity. I think it's a, an excellent fit for them. Play across from Richard Sherman and learn under him. That uh, would just be an awesome, awesome move for San Fran. And while they also grabbed a ton of draft capital in the process. Yeah, I would imagine they'd probably pick up a 2020 first-round pick and some change as well. Um, so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense in terms of being able to uh, acquire draft capital and uh, use that on uh, positions of need. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Byron Murphy's my CB1, so of course I'm all about that. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how they use Murphy and uh, and Sherman because you know Sherman has that... Uh, Seattle uh, cover three pedigree, uh, and yeah, as well as you know that press cover three, where you know he's able to use his length, whereas Byron Murphy uh, was used a lot in uh, in cover two up uh, up in Washington, where he was allowed to you know see the ball, drive the ball on a lot of underneath stuff. Uh, obviously, you know at a bit of shorter stature, doesn't really have the length to to uh, you know press guys all that consistently. But dude's a gamer, super competitive. I love his ball skills. Um, I I really like him. I like his game a lot. Uh, I think that could be a really good pick for San Francisco. I um, now for me, obviously, I have Miami sticking at thirteen. I don't think they're going to trade up. I don't think anyone's going to come and trade up for their pick, which I imagine they might actually want to see happen, but I don't think it will happen. And uh, 
there's a very obvious player staring them in the face that makes them immediately better at one of the top three or, you know, one of the top three or four uh, most valuable positions in the NFL. I am, of course, talking about Brian Burns, uh, mm-hmm. edge rusher out of Florida State. You know, it makes a ton of sense. Charles Harris has come on like uh, no, <laughs> like they hoped he would. Uh, Cameron Wake is gone. I forget where he went. Tennessee. Oh, I should right. know this. Yeah, Tennessee, that's right. right. Yep. Yeah, Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, they, you know, Charles Harris, we'll see. They don't really have much else uh Beyond that, I think, you know, they could go any number of directions. Um, you know, at this point, Daniel Jones is still on the board. Um, I never understood that Charles Harris pick from day one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he had – he what, he was interesting because I liked him as a player insofar that I thought he was a fun college player to watch. He had a I, – I really liked uh, when he'd put uh, offensive tackles in the spin cycle. He had a really nice spin move, mm. but – you know, you took you take a look at his physical tools and that and his athleticism, and it wasn't really that of a round one caliber player. So, and when you take uh, when you take Charles Harris and uh, over T.J. Watt, that's pretty inexcusable. Oh man, that's so, right. Oh my god. Thank you for that, Miami, and uh, oh. also thank you. Uh, I like I'd like as a Steelers fan I'd also like to give a couple other thank yous. Uh thank you Dallas for taking Taco Charlton oh, over yeah. TJ Watt and uh thank you uh Green Bay for trading out mm-hmm. of uh <laughs> of that uh pick 28 to uh let the Browns take David Njoku and uh letting TJ Watt fall right into our laps. We'll we'll be enjoying his uh 13 plus sacks a year for a very long time. Listen, I do do not come for my boy David Njoku at all. I I will not stand no, he's for a good this. Player, I will not stand for this slander <laughs> against no, no, David Njoku at all. Like I he's a good player. I'm just <laughs> I'm glad because remember that year the Packers really needed they still had Nick Perry. Uh, they still had. Uh, no, no, I know. I'm, I'm being, I'm being dumb. Old. You're right. You're 100 percent right. <laughs> and I really thought, you know, I mean, T.J. Watt played within their backyard. I mean, he played in Packer Stadium that year against in Lambeau Field. Right. I mean, he's right in their backyard. They have a huge need at pass rusher. He's an ultra athletic dude with a ton of upside. And they passed on him for Kevin King in uh, in the early second round. So yeah. thanks for that, Green Bay. Uh, I love TJ Watt. Is uh, is the moral of the story? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So that was, so the Dolphins. You know, yeah, it's going to be. You know, if they don't do that, like that crazy move that I, you know, have uh, surmised. <laughs> it, it's. Uh, I, I yeah. They, I guess I could. I could definitely see them going. I mean, they're gonna, just going to go best player available at that point because it's still. Like you said they need everything and anything. So. Uh, I think that would be definitely what they, they, they could do there with Burns. I mean, if, if they stay at 13 and Brian right there, they have got to be doing, you know, they they got to be jumping for joy in that war. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so now we go down to pick 14 with Atlanta. And obviously, you know, Atlanta would have loved to end up with Ed Oliver, but that was a pipe dream at 14. Let's just be honest. I mean, that's that was never going to happen. And uh, they could still use anyone that could rush the passer. Now, I know this guy has been, quote-unquote, taken off boards with a heart condition. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see we'll about – yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, probably the – When they see that 4-4-1-40, uh, yeah, we'll see. 
Sure, sure, they've taken him off. Yeah. yeah. 260, runs 4 440. I don't think so. But, God, this this just feels so perfect. The hometown Georgia guy, Montez Sweat, you know, he's from Georgia. He's going to be watching the, the draft at his home in Georgia with his family. And how cool would that be if he ends up with Atlanta in they need that. They need an edge guy anyway. They they need pass rush. I mean, you pair him up with Vic Beasley, it'd be pretty pretty nice. And uh, boy, I think that would be a good situation. I firmly believe there has been te- there there have been a couple teams that have been trying to make Montez Sweat fall. That is why this is out there because they know what happened to Mo Hurst. Yeah. They know oh, what yeah. they know what happened to Mo Hurst yeah. last year. They're not stupid. No. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. I, I think so, too. No, this I 100% believe that this is being floated out there uh, from a team to, to make him fall to, uh, to them. Yeah. And this yeah, is this is, so this is just, like, games been shipped to it, its finest degree in, in the draft. And, yep. It's silly season. It's, it's, what, it's what the draft season is all about. Right, and I, th- I just I think Atlanta's not going to fall for it. I think they're going to say, hey, you know what, we're, gonna, we're taking this guy. He's too good, and... Uh, and I think we're, they're going to go for it, and then it's a position of need for them, and it just works out. Yeah, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Tech, McK- uh, uh, Tech McKinley, uh, right? McKinley? Yeah. I'm saying yep. that name right. Is yep. It? Yeah. Yeah, Takaris McKinley. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's uh, been promising as a pass rusher uh, for his first couple of years in Atlanta, and I think he'll continue to grow into a steady force on the defensive line. And uh, for Vic Beasley, uh, sixteen sack season, completely downhill since then. Yeah, they could probably stand to upgrade uh, his spot, um, especially since his, they're going to have to make a decision on his fifth year option. Uh, I think they actually already have, and they're accepting it. But obviously, that means that uh, you know this is they're still going to have to make a decision about it. Yeah, future. It's, a prove it. it's a prove it year for him, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, as uh, someone that is also uh, also has an edge rusher that uh, is on a prove it fifth year option in Bud Dupree, it's not going to work out. It's just not. <laughs> just just move on. Yeah. Just do it. Just move on. Let him walk. Right. It's okay. <laughs> yep. It's, it's like okay. he had he had one great season. It was kind of like the same thing with like when Cameron Wimbley with the Browns and he had that one incredible year. And then it was just after that, it was like, what, what happened to him? <laughs> and it's kind of <laughs> the same thing with Vic Beasley. It's just really, really weird. And I'll never quite understand it, but it, yeah. yeah. So I think that, uh, edge makes a lot of sense. Montez, a lot of sense, but for me, he, unfortunately for the Falcons, Montez, what is a green Bay Packer, right. uh, right. in my draft? Um, so you look there, they're a team that doesn't really have many needs. Uh, you know, their their number one need is health and just to get healthy. Right. Because, you know, it's tough to be a good defense when you miss Grady Jarrett for a few games and Ricardo Allen misses almost the entire year and Keanu Neal misses the entire year and Deion Jones misses almost the entire year. Uh, not a recipe for uh, winning a lot of football games. So just get healthy. Your team will be good. You'll be back to contending for the AFC South in no time. Um, but after health, their number two need is uh, a defensive tackle up, uh, across from uh, Grady Jarrett. And at this point, I think you get uh, a solid, reliable presence uh, on that at defensive tackle as a penetrator at that three technique. I'm, of course, talking about 
Clemson senior Christian Wilkins. Yeah, I knew exactly who you were talking about as soon as you said that, and I, I love it. I, I love that pick for them. I, I love Christian Wilkins. I, I don't know why so many people are actually down on Christian Wilkins. I will not – I just don't understand it. I'm so confused about it. I mean, he's not – you know, he doesn't elite length or, you know, elite athleticism, but, I mean, dude's dude balls every time you throw on the tape, so – yeah, and he's 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 a good dude too. He's a he's a good guy, and I just I just like I think he's a very just a high character dude that that you know he, their production's just there. He's just a hardworking guy, and I just really I really like Christian Wilkins. I think that would be a great pick for Atlanta at fourteen, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't like bat an eye at it if they if they did it. I I, I just think that's what they might just would value him a little more there. It's the possible. Upside is a little, maybe a little bigger, but I, I could see it. I could definitely see it. But um, yeah, let's now we go down to now it, is, it gets interesting again. So at number fifteen, we have the Washington Redskins, and well, the cards just kind of fell perfectly for Washington here in my scenario. Alex Smith may never play again. Uh, Case Keenum is well, Case Keenum, <laughs> and well, guess who's sitting here at number fifteen? Dwayne Haskins, who is actually has a lot of similarities in his passing game to Alex Smith, and <laughs> this just feels like a perfect match for the two. And Ben, I, I just think that's a hell of a scenario for for Washington. If you know they obviously don't get Josh Rosen, and Haskins ends up there, I maybe I don't maybe I'm being unrealistic with him falling this far. I don't think I no, am. I don't think so. I don't think no. I am. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to go lower than people think he is. I definitely think there's a chance at that. There's been chatter about that in the recent weeks. Um, I definitely – I'm not so sure on that because quarterbacks just go high. Oh, I know. That's just always what happens. But if you know if Haskins has taken 10 through 15, am I going to be surprised? Absolutely not. Yeah, see, for me, Dwayne Haskins, oh, man, I don't know how to say it. I don't think he's bad, but I also don't think he's, like, very good. <laughs> um, it's like, I don't I don't know how to, it's like, I wanted to, like, lo- like his tape, but, like, he's just so average. <laughs> he's he's the most, like, average quarterback I've ever seen. He's, it's like, he's like, like I said, he's like a poor man's Alex Smith, in my opinion, is what I, I, I really see from Dwayne Haskins. And I guess that's not bad either, but, like, to me, he doesn't have the, um, the, like, ceiling to be, a, like, a top-tier starter in the league. I think he'll be, like, a, a good you know, presence for the Redskins at this point, though. I, I definitely take him over what they have, and I think they need somebody. And I think that they will, they would would absolutely take him here if he's there. And regardless of what I think about him, but <laughs> I don't know. For me, Dwayne Haskins just he just doesn't do it for me. He's not my type of quarterback. Uh, just not 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 sold on him as being a any type of elite quarterback whatsoever or whatever you want to call it, he's kind of just a mid-tier guy, I think, at the end of the day. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely higher on Haskins than you, um, than you are, I think, you know, one, in terms of him being a leader and his personality and how he'll fit into a locker room. Uh, he, he kind of seems like he has an, 
almost infectious personality. I think he he's going to be a guy. That, you know, everyone everyone uh, that talks about him at at the Ohio State program absolutely loves him. Uh, they you know they really seems like he's a true leader. So I think you know he che- he definitely checks that uh, checks that box, which I. You know, personally, I feel is a very important box to check. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. I, it's unfortunate that his his uh, infectious personality doesn't translate over to his deep ball accuracy. Unfortunately, so yeah, the the deep ball stuff is you know when I watched him, it it seemed pretty hit or miss. He had a lot of moments where I was like, oh wow, that was a nice throw downfield. He really you know dropped that in there with a good uh, good uh, velocity and uh, placement. But there are a lot of other times that are that it was like, ooh, you really missed that one. And obviously, you know, when you're throwing it that far, there's going to be some variance in uh, in your ball placement. But it definitely wasn't where you would want it to be from an elite, you know, number, you know, top five overall pick kind of quarterback. So I, I see where you're getting at with there. Um, you know, I also think that, you know, since he was only a one-year starter, he does have a lot of room to grow. And I think, and I, you know, personally, I saw a lot of growth in terms of his ability to read the game and I, uh, you know, and uh, read defenses and you know, pre-snap and post-snap situations as the year went on. I thought he got a lot better with that. I thought he got, le- he, I thought he got, you know, better at dealing with pressure as the year went on. I think he's got a really good feel for the game. Uh, quick trigger, a uh, lot of velocity on his ball. So mm. I think. You know, there's stuff that, um, there's there's stuff to work with, and he he's not maxed out yet. He's he's only a one year starter. There's still a lot to build on, and I think there's still room for him to grow. But uh, I understand a lot of the apprehension about him as a prospect. Uh, he's not, you know, your surefire uh, guy like we've seen in years past with you know Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, uh, you know Wentz Goff. Uh, you know, pick you know pick pick a name from some of these top tier guys. Uh, I mean, do I think he's a better quarterback prospect than like a Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, to be well, honest, well, I mean, <laughs> well, that's, so, the bar is pretty I mean, I low think, there. <laughs> well, I, I say that because you know Trubisky, another you know another one year starter that was you know taken top five. So I think that's a a mm, decent comparison right, in terms right. of comparing prospect to prospect, so that that's why I make that. Um, but yeah, I, I see. You know, I understand a lot of the apprehension. Um, I also understand why. But um, going back to Washington, I have them taking. You know, I think looking at what they need, obviously quarterback is number one. I personally feel that they are. Trade for Josh Rosen. I don't think it'll take a bunch to trade for him once uh, Arizona takes Kyler Murray. So I think they'll get that done. Uh, Rosen's going to be their QB of the future. It, it just seems like a red uh, Washington Redskins. It seems like a Dan Snyder move mm. to mm. really go out and get that headline. You know, make a splashy move for a headline guy. So that's why I think that Rosen is going to you know makes a lot of sense there. <clears throat> but going back to their needs. Um, Preston Smith is gone, which means you have a whole opposite Ryan Kerrigan that I feel absolutely needs to be filled. Um, uh, wide receiver, not much there. Um, I mean, I, Paul Richardson, Josh Dotson, jo- eh, not the worst, but jo- certainly not the best. Josh Dotson not working out made me very sad. I, I really yeah. like Josh Dotson. I, I don't it know. It was unfortunate. 
I don't know what happened there. It's just he didn't. He just didn't work out. Injuries too. Just just killed yeah, him. That, just mm-hmm. Murdered him. Oh God. Yeah, and I mean, like they're they've also got a couple of guys on. Not like I don't hate like Jay uh, Hucheston from Michigan last year. Uh, Trey Quinn from SMU last year as well. They're like nice depth guys, yeah, I guess. But right. you're not going to rely on them to be, uh, you know. So you think they? You think receivers. they go receiver here? I think they should go receiver. Oh, oh, oh I see. <laughs> but I'm not. Well, actually, actually, no. That I they should go pass rusher here with a pass rusher in mind. I just don't think he will because I think pass rusher is going to drop more than he should. I think if they don't do that, then they should go wide receiver. Um, and I think you know everyone knows the I'm talking about when I say that they should go right wide receiver at 15 if that's the position they choose. Um, but there's a player on the board that we haven't talked about that's been getting a bunch of buzz that also fits a need for the Washington Redskins. That player is Michigan line off-ball linebacker Devin Bush. I oh. think that I think that uh, he's gonna gonna be the. I think he could very well be the pick here at fifteen. I think with the loss of Zach Brown. Uh, they did not bring him back, which means you have uh, your your linebackers are looking like Reuben Foster and Sean Dion Hamilton. Sean Dion Hamilton is a six round pick with an in- with a bad injury history. Reuben Foster Buff. is a complicated individual. <laughs> you can say the that, least. <laughs> uh, has had a tumultuous NFL career so far. Hard to rely on him to be a starter, regardless of if you know, stuff is, you know, really his fault in terms of his personal life. It's just hard to, you know, really raw soul off-ball linebacker that you think is going to make a difference. So I think, you know, I think then that leads to, uh, leads to Devin Bush, uh, super fast, you know, sideline to sideline playmaker, good instincts, uh, real force in the run game despite his size because he can cover so much ground. And uh, he's able to, you know, knife through so many areas. A guy that's going to be able to limit yards after catch with his speed and I think could grow into a a good coverage uh, linebacker in zone in man against running backs. I think um, obviously concerns about his size, you know, how good, you know, how well is he going to be able to get off blocks? How well is he going to be able to cover tight ends? Uh, But at the same time, I think Devin Bush is a really good player, and I think uh, he could make a decent bit of difference for the Washington Redskins at a position of need. And I think uh, in terms of uh, pass rusher, I mean, at this point, if I was picking, I'd go with Cleveland Furl. Uh, I think he'd be a it'd be an interesting fit with uh, him across Kerrigan because I think they're they aren't two dissimilar players in terms of you know not being insanely juiced up but winning with strength and right. uh, winning with hand usage um but i think uh devin bush is a really good consolation prize i i would not uh, i would not hate that pick i mean if i'm a redskins fan i mean that's uh, i like devin bush a ton i mean i like you said everything you said uh explosiveness he just covers everywhere he's um anywhere and everywhere it's just like he's just the way he shoots through gaps is is just unreal um it's just I, I I haven't really seen much of it like it from from linebackers. I, it's it's pretty insane. 
And I actually don't think he'll have too much of a problem in coverage. It just with his speed, you know, he's just so fast. Anyway, I think he'll find a way. Well, well I, I'm not. You know, I think. Well, the size. I I know the size. I know the size yeah, is, is yeah, obviously like, gonna hinder against, him. Yeah, against bigger tight ends, you know, there's only so much that your speed can do yeah. for you when you're getting boxed out right, by six right. five two, two sixty tight ends, you know, and you're only five eleven, you know, right. two thirty five, two forty. So, but I think you know maybe in zone against uh, against slot receivers and uh, you know against running backs out of the backfield in general, he'll do really well. Yeah, I, I like that. Though. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. I didn't think about that for Washington because I was kind of so laser focused in on them. Just Haskins is there. It's like, oh, Haskins. Yeah. <laughs> it was just uh, like, it was I mean, just... that makes sense, you know, with the yeah. value of quarterbacks. And... Yeah. So I didn't really think about it too much farther than that. But yeah, I, I could definitely see that would be a really be a great pick for for Washington. So now we go jump to sixteen with Carolina. And man, they they just they need more pass rush. <laughs> they they are they are just really thin um, with pass rush. The void left by Julius Peppers is just not really filled. And I think they take their chances on one of the most boomer bust guys in the draft, and Rashawn Gary, and hope he can add some dynamic pass rush from a newly acquired Bruce Irvin. Yeah, uh, they need pass rusher like uh, no, like no one's business. Um, and, you know, Gary could be the guy that works out for him. As you said, big boomer bust. If he hits, you got your uh, next great, you know, next stalwart pass rusher for, you know, hopefully you'd hope, you know, the next 10 years or so. Yeah, I mean, if you think about uh, it, Juli- think, Julius fits in that 4-3. If Julius Peppers was kind of the same way when he was coming out, you know, it was like, well, this guy, you know, it, he was a, what, he was a basketball player before, you know, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah. And uh, it was like, you know, is this guy like, is he real? Is he going to translate really well? And look what happened. So you know, maybe it will happen with Gary. I personally don't think it's gonna, but <laughs> I. It, someone's going to take a chance on him. But yeah, someone's got to. Someone's going to do it here. And the Panthers, I think they they need somebody there. I mean, either I mean on the edge or in the middle. Like they're just they're kind of they're they could use it anywhere. I mean... I mean, the middle is pretty decent. Uh, you have K1 Short. K1 there. Short's good. K1 Short's good, but yeah. yeah. So I think you know it's not, it's not you know super desperate in the middle, but I mean certainly on the outside. But they I think need I, someone I, there. I think Gary they, they would move him around anyway. I think I think Gary's one of those. guys. I think so too. With, I think that's the way you use him. To be honest, right? Move They're going to move him. They're going to move him around everywhere. Yeah, just you're going to put him in different positions to try to help him succeed, especially early on now where he's still trying to learn clearly and and kind of pick up things and hopefully you coach it into him <laughs> enough and yeah. it works. Yeah. So at 16. Um, I think they are going to go trenches one way or the other. Obviously, pass rusher. Um, at this point on my board, the only pass rusher that would really go in this range is Cleland Furl. And to be honest, I kind of think he's going to fall a bit. I don't think he should, mm-hmm. but I think teams are going to be like, oh, Molaka Ben, and uh, <laughs> pass on him. Uh, that Then that leaves uh, the offensive line. And Taylor, or yeah, Taylor Moten, who's a pretty good young offensive tackle, is probably a guy that you want to keep around for the long term. Yeah, he, he really showed out last year. Uh, kind of stepped right into did. into action and just like after 
after pretty much every single other offensive lineman, you know, died and went to IR heaven. Right. Uh, so he really, he really proved his worth. Um, however, on the other side of, you know, they also did some good stuff signing Matt Paradis. Mm-hmm. Good oh, business. Yeah. Great. That was good great, business. great signing. That was a great sign. Yeah. Um, so I think they, uh, I think they might have an eye towards the future with my next pick, and that is Andre Dillard, offensive tackle out of Washington Ooh. State. All right. Daryl okay. Williams has been a pretty good right tackle in the past. However, injury history, you know, injury, you know, really severe injury last year. He's on a one-year prove-it deal this year. Um, if you take Andre Dillard, then uh, even if Daryl Williams has a really good year then you can just let someone overpay for him in free agency next year. And then, you know, Taylor Moten, I believe he has experience at right tackle and left tackle. And even if he doesn't, Andre Dillard sits a year. You know, if you want to keep Moten at left tackle, you can, uh, you know, have Dillard, you know, play, basically get reps as your second team right tackle while he learns from from these offensive linemen in year one. And uh, he can step right away in year two. Because, you know, Dillard, I like him in pass protection, but he's still going to need some overall uh, refinement and improvement. You know, more definitely more of a project at this stage in his career. I'm, you know, certainly one of the better projects, uh, you know, offensive tackle projects in recent years. You know, light years ahead of Colton Miller, in my opinion. But uh, oh, yeah. regardless, I uh, I think, uh, you know, with, the, with them passing on Cleveland Furrell, that uh, moves their their sights to offensive tackle. And uh, I think with uh, Dillard's, with his athleticism and his agility and uh, his quickness, I think uh, that uh, this is where the Panthers will go at 16. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they know now after the, the new, especially after Cam's big time shoulder problem, uh, I, I think, I absolutely think that's in the consideration. I mean, they, they're not, they're not like, they're definitely just like, it's in their their thought process uh, for sure. I would not be surprised to see it. I was going either way myself, uh, and I ended up going with the edge, just you know, with a little more upside of pick. But um, I, I can absolutely see a Dillard going there at sixteen for them to just to protect Cam and just hope he doesn't get yeah further even worse than you know he is already. So yeah. Because Cam, Cam Newton, you know, Cam Newton gets a lot of slack, but I mean, when he's healthy, he's a great quarterback. Oh, you no, got to no. keep him. You no. got to keep him healthy, though. Yeah, keep him upright. Yeah, exactly. Guys that can move, like yeah. Dillard. Dillard can move around exactly. and protect for yeah. him because Dillard can shuffle his feet well and he moves his feet well. And yeah, pro- you know, one of if not, you know, movers and uh, you know has some of the best agility of. Any of the tackles in the class? Yeah, so and, just, probably, and, just, and just with like Christian McCaffrey and how he and how he's used, it, just, that would make a lot of sense. A hundred percent would yeah. make a lot of sense. Um, but now we go to pick seventeen again with the Giants on the board, and um, well, in theory, the Giants could take a Cleveland Farrell here when uh, you know when they didn't go you know edge before, as they don't have much of a pass rush as you've. Uh, clearly stated before but let's face the facts the patience with eli manning is waning how long will they continue to wait out with eli finally i think the pressure is on for dave gettleman and he finally makes the move here and goes with duke's daniel jones as the hopeful future for the giants 
That's not to say I think Daniel Jones is going to be a much of a quarterback, um, but it's been stated that Daniel Jones is someone's number one quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, it might it might be the team that are David Cutcliffe guy on their roster. Yeah, right, and uh, yeah, yeah. I I I really do think it's going to happen here. And I think you're kind of leaning the same sort of way I am with this. It just seems like kind of almost inevitable, it feels like. It just kind of feels like that it's just going to happen. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm right there off the board at 17 as well. Uh, You know, the smart move would be, you know, even if, you know, they do take uh, Devin White at six, you know, the smart move would be either take Cody Ford to be a right tackle for the next however many years or take uh, Cleveland Pearl to bolster your – uh, maligned pass rush, but no, they take Daniel Jones because they they want the they want the next Eli. They truly do want the next <laughs> Eli, and uh, he he's got the for better or for good and all you know for all the good that Eli's done for that organization and potential you know and for all the times that he's faltered. Uh, you know, they I think they think that Jones will be the next Eli Manning for the next fifteen years. He certainly got the pedigree and the uh, the the coaching behind him uh where i think it just it just connects too many dots right yeah it's yeah i i just yeah daniel jones to me is just like man i don't know i just don't see it i just don't i don't get it uh with him i, mean, I don't i don't understand the you the... know daniel is he's so frustrating because i did i did a very extensive look at him uh and i i kind of put po- and i uh posted my findings on, on the uh, NFL Draft subreddit. And, uh, you know, what I saw was a guy with... There were a ton of moments where I was like, okay, this kid can ball. Like, right. this dude has a lot of spots where I'm like, okay, you know, he's getting crushed by a 275, you know, 270-pound defensive lineman, and he's still throwing lasers 40 yards down the field that, unfortunately, his, his receivers drop dropped because right. Duke has the worst receiving core in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they and did. There were a lot of moments where Daniel Jones flashed legitimate brilliance and stuff that I'm like, okay, I can see why he'd be a first round pick. But then there are, you know, so many other times where I'm like, dude, come on, you know, oh, yeah. where, you know, the, the arm strength, you know, the, oh. the velocity oh. comes and goes. Oh my God. Uh, yes. That was the one thing the I just, making, oh. yeah. The, the decision making is, you know, a lot of stuff just comes and goes. Oh, and the vertical, and the, the vertical passing game with him sometimes is like watching just paint dry. It's like, oh well, my! The thing God. is that he can really drop some dimes in the in the middle of the field, but it's when he has to throw outside the numbers that everything just gets. Yeah, it's everything just gets oh. you know out of whack. Yep, it's just, and it's just the the ball just will float on him sometimes, like yeah. really it float. Floats. It's just like, yeah, it oh does. no, and that's so bad in the NFL. Like that is so bad when you have balls that just just float like that. Because guess what? Guess what? There's these four three defensive backs are just waiting to like run under that, <laughs> like and yeah. and just cut across your receiver and just like take it to the house and. That that just so there's so many problems there with that with him and I don't know I just don't don't and see it with him at all. One one thing that I will give Daniel Jones a, a ton of credit for is that in my opinion he's easily toughest quarterback in this class. Oh no no he played but in a, a horrible situation dude, at Duke. 
Yeah, I mean, Duke had, there was nothing around him. That that was not a Power 5 offense at all. No. That was a G5 offense. The offensive line was not good. His receivers were horrible. Uh, you know, even his tight ends and running backs couldn't catch and couldn't couldn't catch worth a damn. Uh, it's just he really had did not have much to work with. Um, and uh, he took a, he took a beating in his three years as a starter at Duke. He took an absolute beating, and he kept getting bonding. Uh, obviously, you know, he got a, a shoulder injury early in the year that uh, many thought would keep him out of a while. He missed two games. Right. Dude's a tough SOB. That's... And uh, that that's kind of why I hope he does work out in the NFL, because poor guy's been through, poor guy's taking a licking at, at, uh, at Duke, but yeah. I don't know. It's just he can be a really frustrating times. Yep, agreed. So now we move down to number 18 with the Minnesota Vikings. And who, buddy, the Vikes need some help in the trenches big time. Oh, my God. <laughs> to protect their overexpensive asset, Kirk Cousins. Uh, they have some options here. Uh, they have, There's guys like Garrett Bradbury, uh, Andre Dillard is still available here in my situation, and Jonah Williams are on the board. And I personally think they go with Jonah Williams. He, he's a guy some people think may not be able to play tackle. We've gone at this. Uh, me and you have both <laughs> have talked about how ridiculous this is time to time again. And um, But even if I am wrong about this, the Vikes could literally plug and play him anywhere on the line. Yeah. And he would be a massive oh, yeah. improvement over what they uh-huh. did, did last year because they were so bad. Mm-hmm. They were so bad. I mean... Like, a Pat Elfline hasn't worked out well. Um, well, I mean, really, you know, to be fair to Pat, he was he played a lot of last year injuries coming up. I think he got hurt early in the season. Or in- oh, but it's constant, constant and, uh, injuries you know, with him. Constant, constant. Yeah, he got hurt. He, he had a good uh, a good rookie year, second year injuries really hampered him this year. Yeah, so. right. And it's just, and then just everywhere else, it's just, it was, it was kind of a mess. And I think oh, Jonah... guard players are horrific. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Inside, they just, yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. And uh, honestly, to any of those guys I mentioned would be just an improvement. But I think Jonah Williams gives you like that, kind of that versatility where yeah. if even if he doesn't work out at one spot, you could try him at another and I think the Vikings just kind of need somebody like him. That really, he's a smart guy, like as, as we've gone over, and just dedicated to the craft, and just a technician at heart. And yeah, I, I really, I really can see him uh, going here to the Vikings if, if since he's available here still. Yeah, I I thought about a number of positions. I thought about a three tech defensive tackle next to Linval Joseph, but. The, none of the players, you know, no one really made sense. By no one, I really mean just Jeffrey Simmons. Oh, yeah. uh, but I think the fact that, you know, Torres ACL, and uh, unfortunately, uh, while preparing for his pro day, yeah, prefer, preparing for his pro day, uh, Torres ACL, so he will not be a contributor in uh, 2019, which uh, hurts his stock a fair bit. Um, so three, so defensive tackle was kind of out of the question at, uh, at 18. I also thought about tight end because Kyle Rudolph is uh, going to be nearing the end of his contract, so maybe do they look to replace him? But ultimately, ultimately, I went away with that because, like you said, they just need so much help on the offensive line. It was it was a mess last year, and uh, it's not like that they don't have. You know, it's not like they're completely devoid of talent. You know, Riley Reef 
is a, a longtime starter in the NFL. Brian O'Neill really broke out at right tackle for the Vikings, I think. Uh, so you're set there. He'll, you know, for sure be one of your starting tackles in, uh, in 2019. Pat Elfline, you know, we talked about good rookie year, injured his second year. You hope that, uh, that he gets healthier. And, uh, so now you add an offensive lineman at, at 18 and you're looking at, you know, all of a sudden your offensive line is not so wretched. And, uh, like you, I went with a versatile player. Um, obviously for me, Jonah Williams has been long gone, uh, eight to Detroit, but, uh, the player that I thought made a ton of sense. And I think the Vikings will really take a good hard look at is, uh, Cody Ford, Offensive lineman out of Oklahoma played a uh, backup left guard in 2017. Uh, transitioned to full full time right tackle in 2018, protecting Kyler Murray. So he's moved around a bit on the offensive line. I love his game. I I have him as my OT two. I think he's a first. I have him as a first round grade. Um, I think while there is stuff to uh, that uh, he'll need to improve in terms of you know having a little bit more pro ready. Uh, you know, more pro readiness and the technical aspect of his game. I think there's a lot to like about Cody Ford, uh, you know, in terms of his size, his strength, his length, uh, very, uh, fluid athlete, uh, and, uh, agile and nimble feet. I think, you know, where, whether you play him, uh, whether you play him inside, uh, at either guard spot or you, you know, kick Riley reef inside and then, put uh, O'Neal at uh, left tackle where he played at Pitt and uh, move Cody Ford to right tackle. It's an upgrade wherever. You just got to get help on this offensive line and you got to protect Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. And now we move on to number 19 with the Tennessee Titans. And I don't go too far from my last statement about needing help on the offensive line because the <laughs> Titans need to make sure Mariota stops getting hurt. <laughs> Jesus. Const- <laughs> constantly. It's every year with this guy. And I think that Chris Lindstrom from Boston College would be a great solution. Ooh, I love it. To stabilize it. the interior of their line. I-, I think he would be a really, really good fit there. Just day one, just plug and play type of guy. I love it. I love Chris Lindstrom. He is he is my draft crush on the offensive line. I think he's going to be oh, I think he's going to be a great starter for a very long time in the NFL. Um plug and play guy, very good athlete, uh fluid mover, uh easy move, got strength too. Uh right tackle and right guard experience at uh, Boston College. You know, <laughs> spent a lot of time run blocking for AJ Dillon. So uh, mm. I'm sure he'll have uh, no problem uh, blocking for Derrick Henry. And uh, like you, I went uh, to the offensive line. Uh, did not go Chris Lindstrom, though, which made me sad because I love Chris Lindstrom. But he just hasn't really gotten the first-round buzz to make me think he's going to go top 20, even though he absolutely should. Um, but uh, I think the Titans... They got four out of five offensive line spots that I really like. Uh, obviously, left tackle Taylor Luan, right tackle Jack Conklin, uh, Roger Saffold. Uh, they picked up in free agency, formerly of uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And then you got Ben Jones, who played center last year. 
I think that they will move Ben Jones to guard, and uh, because oh. at 19 overall, I think you know where I'm going with yeah. this. They're going to take uh, the North Carolina State Center, Garrett Bradbury, uh, best athlete uh, in terms of any offensive in this class. Uh, just amazing reach blocker. I think he's a great fit in their zone blocking system. And I just think that this, I think the fit makes too much sense. And it's honestly one of my favorite fits in the entire first round. Garrett's incredible. I, I he's, he's, he's great. I, I was so uh, impressed by what I saw of him. I, I love him. I, I it actually hurts me that I don't have him going in my mock in the first uh, I'm, a, I'm actually, it's like hard to believe, but just the way things fell, it didn't happen. But he's 100% a first-round talent. <laughs> that That's how I feel about him. Like, totally 100% yeah. uh, first-round guy, but I just there just wasn't a spot for him, and I didn't feel like that uh, teams would value him all that highly. Yeah, that, that's my thing. It's like, yeah, a lot of teams, like, sometimes they sleep on centers a lot because they just don't they don't value the, the centers like a, as much as they should, honestly value them yeah well the thing is that i think that might change because i think not only will garrett bradbury go first round i think eric mccoy from texas a&m mm-hmm. has a real chance to go into the first round because <laughs> another guy who's a great athlete uh for the position and i mean we saw uh frank ragnow and billy price go into the first round last year at uh 20 and 21 respectively to the lions and the Bengals, obviously, you know, Ragnar was moved to left guard, but I think, you know, the point still stands. And I mean, Mike Daniel, uh, Iowa center, went top 40. So I do think that there is a market for good center play. Um, they just have to be the right athlete. And I think, you know, for McCoy and especially for Bradbury, they're the athlete to get themselves into the yeah. first round. I just did, did a show on uh, Eric McCoy. My God, I like him a lot. Uh, he, oh, I do too. Jesus, oh, I, I mean, just just throw on the Clemson and Bama tape and just just yeah. have have a have a field day with it because the my Cle- God, the Clemson tape is that was one of the Eric McCoy versus uh, Chris Lindstrom was one of the most was one you know maybe the most fun I've had watching a prospect battle this year. Yeah. That was a war, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's great um, too. I actually don't have him going in the first my first round either here, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> again, think he's a first round pick all the way, but uh, first round talent, but it's just it's just not here. Um, but yeah, that, so moving on from nineteen, so your boys, the Steelers yeah. at number twenty. So in my mock here, well, obviously the Steelers don't need secondary help. Joe Hayden is. They're number one. He's not what he used to be. Let's let's be real. And he, uh, after him, it's like, oh. <laughs> and um, but the problem is, in my situation, there's also Devin Bush sitting right here for the Steelers, and they absolutely yeah. will not will not pass up his explosiveness in this spot. No, they won't. And no. the Steelers run the the card to the table for Devin Bush at, at if he's yeah. here at number twenty. I mean. The Steelers literally, quite literally, sent the house to to the Michigan Pro Day. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone was there. They want Devin Bush. He is, like, he checks all of their boxes. Insane athlete, underclassman, power five. They all went to his Pro Day. You know, he he was a team captain last year. 
Mm-hmm. He was like what, a junior as a team captain. Yeah, you don't see that all that much. That's so very he's rare. A leader, and I mean, let's face it, we all know that Pittsburgh is in need of uh, some retooling in that locker and uh, some injection of some leadership. Oh, so I think. <laughs> yeah. So, I think you know they they did some spring uh, some spring cleaning with uh, letting a couple guys go, and I. Everyone knows which two players I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, we don't really need to get into that because that's a whole separate podcast episode by itself mm-hmm. is uh, the uh, Le'Veon Bell saga and the Antonio Brown saga, uh, the, the Mr. Big Chest saga. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you're spot on. They, If Devin Bush is there at 20, they are – that is going to be the pick. 100%, no doubt, no question – they have, they've had a giant Ryan Chazier-sized hole in the middle of their defense that neat that has not been filled. Lord knows John Bostic was never going to fill that hole. No. They tried to trade up for Rashawn for her, uh, Rashawn Evans last year. Uh, unfortunately, they were beat out by the Tennessee Titans, and uh, they had to settle for Terrell Edmonds. Um, I think that. I do think that the Steelers really want to be aggressive in getting their guy. So I think if we see Devin Bush fall to a certain point, they could very well trade up to get him. As I said earlier, they have 10 picks in total in this draft. They have four picks in the top 85. They have the ammo to do it. And uh, they cert- And I think you know last year when reports came out that they tried to trade up for Rashawn Evans, the desire is there. And uh, John Bostic isn't going to replace Ryan Chazier. Uh, Mark Barron isn't going to replace Ryan Chazier. No one can really replace Ryan Chazier, but uh, you know, at this point in the draft, yeah, uh, your Devin Bush is as close as you're going to get to replacing Ryan Chazier. Um, yeah. And uh, with that being said, Devin Bush is not on the board in my box, so yeah. that really sucks because yeah. I would love to get a linebacker. Um, I still think highly of Mac Wilson, but I really doubt that they're going to take him. Uh, and I also don't just don't really get the sense that Mac Wilson's going to go in the first round. So you know, which I think is a shame because I kind of think he's a guy that should be taken in the first round, mm. and I think that he's getting uh, pretty undervalued. Um, but again, that's a whole another discussion. Um, in terms of the Steelers, I think they have three main targets. Uh, their first target, I already talked about Devin Bush. Uh, their second target. Greedy Williams, and their third target, I think, is going to be Cleveland Furl. Uh, if you want, if I had to give a dark horse, you know, a couple dark horse targets, uh, I'd say Chase Winovich, ding, or ding, ding. I agree. Trayvon Mullen, yep. or uh, and uh, Trayvon Mullen from Clemson. Um, I think Chase Winovich is the pick, actually. If if Bush is not there, I that's my that is my. I, I also because I th- I don't think they were just at Michigan's pro day for no. Devin Bush. They, I mean, they were mainly. Bush, but they weren't only there for Devin Bush. They, I do Dude, think that they wanted to get a look at Chase Winovich. Chase Winovich is literally a Pittsburgh Steeler. Like the, he embodies. He, all, he? he embodies everything like their organization. What you well it used to be about until like drama queens uh, entered their locker room and ruined everything. <laughs> yeah, no, he's. I mean, I think you know a lot of their their uh, the veteran guys on defense still kind of have that. Steelers mentality like uh, you know I feel like guys like Vince Williams and TJ Watt and uh, Cam Hayward really have that right. you know 
you look at those guys and you watch them play and you're like, okay, those guys are Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. And I think you're spot on with, you know, you watch Chase Winovich play and you're like, he, he plays like a Pittsburgh Steeler. Right. You know, um, so, yeah, again, that wouldn't surprise. I think he's a, a dark horse pick. Um, the reason I say Cleveland Furl, um, I you know, they were uh, – Tomlin and Colbert were at his pro day. Uh, Bud Dupree is not the answer uh, long term. Either he underperforms and you just let him walk or he has a really good year and you want to overpay for him. Uh, since he's a free agent after 2019, you're going to need to find a replacement for him. And I think uh, Furl could definitely be that guy. Um, we've talked about his strengths before. Uh, I think another guy that is a huge locker room culture guy that I think is really uh, – I think that the Steelers would really gravitate towards. I think he's another guy that kind of – he plays kind of like a Pittsburgh Steeler. He has that kind of mentality and uh, proven leader – uh, in the Clemson locker room, uh, went back for his senior year to win a championship when he really, you know, didn't necessarily have to. Uh, he probably would have been, you know, in the conversation for a first in last year's draft, uh, but came back, won a championship, you know, 100% a character guy. Uh, I think he's only like 21 years old or, you know, 21 or one years old or something like that. So he's not like super old either. But uh, mm. I think he's another guy that makes a ton of sense at uh, 20. But I have them taking Greedy Williams. Uh, he checks all their boxes. Tomlin and Colbert were at his pro day. Uh, I mean, the 4-3-9 you know, tells you all you need to know about what kind of athlete he is. Ball skills for days, which is something that the Steelers are sorely lacking. They need a guy that can uh, you know, make plays and create turnovers in that secondary. And I mean, the guy's nickname is greedy for God's sake, you know, like, come <laughs> yeah, on. Um, we know what he's about. The and, one, uh, the one thing that I, I just, I can't see Pittsburgh making this pick with him is just the effort with him. He just, he doesn't put in that. He doesn't put in that effort. They like to see. He it's just interesting that you bring that up because Colbert actually talked about, uh, what he would look for in a cornerback and a defense back. You know, it's not, you know, if you're a cornerback, your primary job is to tackle, you know. Yeah. You can let the guys up front worry about that more. But if you can make plays on the back end, then you're going to be a very coveted guy. And I think that's really hinting towards how much that front office and, uh, how much that front office and coaching staff likes Greedy, they would be totally okay with taking Greedy Williams. And uh, I think if Bush isn't there, I think Greedy's going to be the pick because he really, uh, you know, underclassman guy as well, so he checks that box. Um, they just they need a playmaker on the on the back end. They they really do. They were they uh, led the league in dropped interceptions at thirteen. I did not if know that stat. Yes, wow, that's horrendous. They, yes, they they are they are uh, number one in bell in sacks over the past two years. I think they're like twenty seventh or twenty eighth in 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 uh, interceptions in that time. And they and I know they in dropped interceptions in twenty eighteen. That has to change if they want to compete with the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns for the AFC North title. If they want to compete with teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers and the New England Patriots to get back to a Super Bowl and make a run at seven. 100% agree with you, though. I mean, they and, got to, they got to stop the pass, man. It's it's been it's been bad. It's been a problem for multiple yeah, years and, now. Uh, 
you know, they tried addressing that in free agency with uh, the signing of Steven Nelson. Not a bad sounding. Um, so, you know, in terms of where Greedy would play in 2019, a little tough to tell, but uh, Joe Hayden's not going to be a Steeler past this year since his three-year deal is up. Um, right. And uh, so, you know, Greedy Williams would uh, take that spot in uh, at 2020 at the latest, unless uh, maybe they take Greedy, play him, start him on the outside, and uh, move Steven Nelson to the nickel where he at least does have experience. Interesting. So we go to pick 21, and you ready to get funky again? Trade. Yeah, let's do it. Trade again. The Seahawks have been rumored to want to move this pick, and they do. Oakland uses their 24th and 27th pick to move up to this spot to take the polarizing DK Metcalf to give Oakland the now potentially deadly duo in Antonio Brown and DK Metcalf. You think they're giving up two first to move up, uh, what is that, like four spots, three spots? I do. Because I, I, oh. I, I really feel like, because you know why? Because the Ravens are picking right after the Seahawks. That's true, yeah. Th- that is why. And I think they will pay the price. And I, I don't think Gruden and Mike Mayock will have a problem with it. Interesting. I mean, they are, they, uh, they have been known, you know, obviously they've been very aggressive so far in, uh, in making deals, whether it's, you know, shipping out Khalil Mack and uh, Amari Cooper, which, you know, let just to touch on the whole Amari Cooper thing, you know, let's, you know, I think there might, there will probably be a lot of revisionist history that says that the Amari Cooper trade was a bad trade because Amari Cooper basically saved Dallas this season. No, the Amari Cooper trade was a good trade for Oakland. Cooper was underperforming in Oakland. He was not the player that he was in Dallas. I think I think getting traded really, you know, you know, motivated made him. something click. Yeah, motivated, really clicked mentally. Okay, I need to get my crap together, and uh, I think that's why you know he you know really turned it up in Dallas. And I think so. Just to say that the Amari Cooper trade was a good deal. You know, let's not you know use hindsight and revisionist to. Poop all over Mayock group, so or yeah. and to poop all over Gruden. Yeah, right, um, right. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I know. Interesting. This, this, this is probably pretty crazy sounding. I, I understand that. That. Is, that is one heck of a receiving room, though. All of a sudden, now you're right. Tyrell Williams, DK Metcalf, and Andrew Brown. I mean, you're really going to find out if Carr's the guy or not. Right. That's kind of where I was leading with that. It's like. Okay, so Derek Carr, you have no excuse now. Like you don't, no, you don't no. have an excuse with the that those types of guys. Yeah, you've got your receivers, you've got your left tackle. Time to do stuff. Yep. That's and that's um, where I was kind of leaning with that. So yes, I do believe that the Seahawks will trade out of this pick as well. I think you know what you know what I think could happen. Mm-hmm. I think the New England Patriots oh. could get very aggressive. Wow. And move up for either a tight end oh, or a wide yeah. receiver. Because wow, like they the, need pass catchers. That's like the opposite of their philosophy. Oh, my God. And the thing is, they have the picks to do it. Mm. They've got 32. They've got a couple seconds. Yep. They've got, they've gotten, I think, an early third-round pick. They have, like, 73 pick, you know, 
pick like 74, I think. Yep. So, or 73. So they've got the cap, the draft capital to really make an aggressive move. And, uh, I think if not them, I could also see the Indianapolis Colts making up for uh, wow. moving up. Uh, whether they want to, you know, go inside the trenches and uh, get maybe a Jeffrey Simmons or a Cleveland Furl, or if they want to go out and get a receiver, hop Baltimore for a DK Metcalf to pair with T.Y. Uh, uh, Hilton. Right. I think you know, regardless, I think Seattle's moving out of the moving out of this pick. Um, however, obviously, as I said earlier. Uh, I didn't do trades in my mock, so Seattle stays. And uh, this is where Cleveland Furl uh, goes off the board. Frank Clark has a more than decent chance of getting um, It seems like they're pretty far apart in uh, contract extension negotiations. Uh, and I, I don't think he wants to play on the franchise tag. I just don't really think that that's in his best interest. I think it, you know, I either he gets a long-term deal in Seattle or you know if I, he's not playing, if they stay, if they uh, keep him on the tag, so you're, you're about you know, to, you're about to laugh Clark, when we get uh, to 24. Then yeah. uh, Frank Clark uh, <laughs> could very well. I, I would not be surprised if he got traded on Thursday or Friday. Um, so you got to go out and get a replacement for him, and Cleveland Furl is the best edge on the board. I think he fits you know wonderfully in that four three defense. Um, yeah. I think the, that's uh, what happens if uh, Seattle can't find a dance partner. Yeah, um, I, I, that's that's it's funny you say that because you're gonna laugh when we get to pick twenty four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so yeah, I, uh, I so now we move to number twenty two with the Ravens. So the Ravens see Metcalf off the board, but they don't mind at all. Um, that's because they're just gonna go grab Antonio Brown's cousin instead. <laughs> Hollywood Brown gives Lamar Jackson yeah. a truly dynamic target that can make things happen. Yeah, uh, they got to go receiver. Uh, you know, whoever, whether that's, uh, you know, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe they go A.J. Brown. Like you said, Hollywood Brown. Um, maybe Enkeel Harry. Harry. Here's an, under, the play there an, at an, an, underrated, an underrated name to watch out for as well there. And I know because like, I, I was considering it. I, I really think I was. Is, and, I, and I think this is, is uh would, would be Debo Samuel. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, My I, wide receiver too. Yep. I, I think like he would be really good as well for what Lamar does. And he kind of like would you can kind of make him let things let him make things happen because Lamar let's let's face it his accuracy is kind of all over the place and yeah. you kind of want to give him like some easy shots you know to get or to guys that can really make things happen after the catch and when I came to mind it was like Hollywood Brown and then also like Debo Samuel or in even AJ Brown like you said as well. It, it, those types of guys, I wouldn't get him a guy like a Nikhil Harry or a, even a Kelvin Harmon. I I, just, I think you need to give him a speedy type of guy, like speedy guys that can really make things happen like that. Well, that was interesting because I was actually uh, maybe you get him a bigger guy with oh. a large catch radius because mm. his his accuracy is so you know shoddy that you know if you get a bigger target that. Uh, you know, has a has length and a big catch radius that you know he can afford to be a little bit inaccurate ball placement. And he yeah. can still 
you know, his guy can still go up and get it. Um, right. I got the best of both worlds because DK Metcalf is still on the board. Oh, right. He goes off here at 22. Uh, obvious choice. They need a number one. Uh, DK has number one potential. Obviously, the medicals have to check out with his neck injury, but uh, if they do, you got to take him. Yeah. You oh, can't pass and, on him if you're Baltimore. Right, and that and that's exactly why I had Oakland here go jump them because they, they would 100% take him if he's there. I mean, it's no no doubt, but um, yeah, they, they end up, they go to their second option there for me, personally. Yeah. So, um, with the pick 23, now we have Houston, and for God's sakes, please, Houston, protect your quarterback. <laughs> for the love of God, like, Deshaun Watson's going to die. Like, for God's <laughs> sakes. How many times did he get sacked last year, dude? Was it, wasn't it like 50-plus times? I thought it was in the 60s. Oh, my God. Was it 62? Oh, for God's sakes. That's – that. okay, so – Obviously, that's that's almost four times a game. That's, by the way, that's ridiculous. That's almost four times a game. It's horrible. And yes, I get. So yeah, some of that is on Deshaun Watson running around sometimes and not letting the ball go over the ball. But come on, now sixty plus times. That's not just him either. <laughs> it's not. No. And so in my scenario here, Andre Dillard is still available, and Houston absolutely just just runs their <laughs> their pick here. To oh, yeah. the, to the board and get grabs him because they need somebody, anybody, anyone, a, a warm body, <laughs> anyone <laughs> to protect Deshaun Watson. It, it's it's gone long enough now, man. It's like it feels like they've just been putting this off constantly, trying to protect him. Yeah, yeah it, it really does. Uh, really does feel that way. Um, they. They just need something. They they or they, you know, they should just try and get whoever the best offensive lineman is available there. Um, oh, oh yeah. However, because I mean, you just they have to do something to protect Watson. It's just dude's too good to let him get hit all the time. With that being said, I did not have Houston going offensive line. Oh because my at this god. Point, <laughs> The offensive, the offensive tackles that are off the board for me. All right, right. Jawan Taylor, Jonah Williams, mm-hmm. Andre Dillard, Cody Ford. Those are like those are probably the four first round tackles. And even if you consider jo- Jonah Williams a tackle, that's pretty much it. I mean, is Yanni could just going in the first round? No, not at all. I could. Is Dalton Reisner? I don't think so. I could see them. I could see them. Doing that, or I could even see that this is even crazier. But I could see them even reaching for Greg Little at this point as well, just just because it's such a position of need for them. My thinking was that they'd actually Little too. Yep. Wow. I do think that yeah. Little is going to fall a fair bit because his combine sucked and he yeah. doesn't have great tape at all. No. <laughs> but I think you know, and I'd love it. You know, I'm sure they'd love it if like a Titus. Could oh, fall yeah. to them mm. in the mid fifties, but that's just not going to happen. You know, Titus Howard, you know, really good uh, senior bowl, uh, good athlete, uh, has physical tools. You're not going to fall that far, um, but I do think that I think that Greg Little is going to be play in the fifties, and I think I do think that you know, one way or another, I I kind of I just have a feeling that Greg Little is going to end up a Houston Texan, hmm. um, but that does lead me to uh, their second biggest need, which is cornerback. And if you haven't noticed, 
I've only had one cornerback go off the board in this entire draft, and yep. that was Greedy Williams to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, CB1 is still on the board, Byron. and yeah. that would be Byron Murphy out of Washington. You, you touched on, on him earlier when you had him going to Detroit, I believe. Uh, who, Byron Murphy? Yeah. I had him or going no, to San Fran. San Fran. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. You had him going to San Francisco, that's right. Uh, but regardless, you touched on him earlier. Um, yeah, uh, they, I mean, geez, Jonathan Joseph is still starting for them, and he's like, uh, that same, has to Seems change. like 75 years old at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, credit to him. I mean, dude's dude's a warrior for sure to be playing cornerback for that long, but uh, yeah. Something has got to be done about that. And, you know, they, you know, one-year deal for Bradley Roby. We'll see if he works out or not. You've got uh, Aaron Colvin as your slot corner. Uh, but I just really just do not feel comfortable with Jonathan of being your start, your full-time starter in 2019. So right. I think they're going to, you know, I don't think they're going to love, you know, they're really going to like any of the, offensive tackles left on the board. So I think they go to uh, best player available at their next position of need, and uh, that happens to be uh, Byron Murphy. Very interesting. I, if he fell there, I mean, I, I, it'd be hard to pass on him, but uh, I, I, at the same time, just, I, they, I don't know. It's hard when you're like... I mean, if it was me, I would be running to the... with Dalton Reisner's yeah, name right, right. in my card. Yeah, same. Yeah, but yeah, you think it it's going to be Murphy. Interesting. So now we go to 24, and for me, it's the Seahawks that are on the clock. And uh, this is going to sound pretty familiar. Um, with some uncertainty surrounding Frank Clark and just possibly needing <laughs> another pass rusher, they go with Cleveland Farrell. <laughs> I had the same exact thought you did on that whole situation. It sounds like Frank Clark is on his way out of there um, from what I'm hearing. Uh, they, they, I guess they're, from what I'm seeing, they, I guess they try to, they're trying to get like a first for Clark. Which is kind of yeah. crazy. It's kind of crazy. I don't think that's going to happen. I... Well, I mean, we'll see. I he does have a more complete body of work than a D Ford, so um, you know we'll see. Uh, but at the same time, you know Clark has had character concerns in the past, so and right. he, he is going to you know the money commitment is going to be huge. So you know we'll see. And also speaking of pass rushers on the trade block, what do you think is going to happen with Jadavian Clowney? Wait, I did not hear about him being on the trade block. I, holy crap. There's, there is spec, there's been speculation going on for the entire offseason. Because his D, remember, he oh, was in the yeah. 2014 class. Right. So that fifth year option is right now. Mm-hmm. He needs to be, he's on the last year of his deal. And Houston's thinking of franchise tagging, you know, yeah, right. 2020. And obviously Clowney's not going to be down for that. No, and they already have JJ Watt and Whitney Merciless as mm. pass rushers. So wow, you know Jadavian Clowney, you know been a you know twelve to fourteen sack guy his entire career. He's kind of you know injuries his first couple years really development. So yeah, he there is a very real chance he will not be a Houston Texan in twenty nineteen. I could actually see that. I, I actually been thinking that this is was going to happen for a while. It's just kind of felt like that. Um, it, it's just he's never quite lived up to his billing. I, I think. And I mean, he's been good. No. Oh yeah. Like, no. He's it's really not, good. But right. He but like, like, he hasn't been a Miles Garrett. He's not. Exactly. He's not a Miles Garrett in, in in that terms of like 
just being like that potential to be that good. He's plateaued pretty much, I think, at this point at where where he is, and uh, he's yeah, he's pretty much that at this at this point. And you know, and what you know, what's he gonna do when he's not playing across from a JJ Watt now? You know, Th- that makes you think too. Yeah. That, I mean, that he opens up a lot of different things, you know, a lot of things for everybody else uh, on that that line. Yeah. And uh, you know, what's Clowney going to do when he's you know the the main guy and not what JJ Watt for somebody? So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I I can see it though. I hundred I hundred percent could see this because yeah, so that's it's felt looming. That, that's something to keep in the back of your mind on day one and uh, maybe day two as well. Yeah. So. Wow. But getting back to Oakland, yeah, yes. you, or, well, you know, for you, Seattle, for me, yeah, Oakland. Uh, yes, right. Have you, have you noticed any uh, positions that I have not taken yet, that have not gone off the board yet? Running back. Tight end. Oh, oh that too. <laughs> yeah. right. Tight end has mm. not gone off the board. Noah Fant, oh, still yeah. available. Mm. TJ Hawkinson. Still available. Oh, that's right. Why do I think that these guys that these guys are going to be still available? Because OJ Howard fell all the way to nineteen, oh, God, and he's better. Right. And I think he's a and he's a better prospect than both of those guys. Wow. Teams do not value tight ends in the draft because Eric Ebron screwed everything up when he was taken <laughs> over Aaron Donald. He tanked. He tanked. The draft value for tight ends for half a decade. He really did, though. You're not wrong about that. That's that is insane. OJ guys like OJ Howard had no business falling to 19. No. Dallas Goddard no. had no business falling into the middle of the second round. Yeah, right. And I think that TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant falling into the late into the mid 20s, but I think they will. And uh, I think that uh, most teams is. Uh, I think that around the NFL, the consensus uh, number one tight end in uh, this draft class is T.J. Hawkinson, and with uh, no more uh, with no more uh, Cook at tight end for the Raiders, it's an easy spot to fill. T.J. Hawkinson. Wow, well, it's I, I like it. I mean, I think I actually think they they could do that if they did keep those picks. Um. I actually think they would go with Noah Fant personally. I I, I feel like that's like more of a Raiders pick. <laughs> I don't well, know. I just I just I just think Hawkinson is more of a Gruden guy. Don't oh, you feel that Hawkinson is oh, a Gruden grinder? You know, yeah. Oh, you were right. Yeah. That is that. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. You know. He feels like a Gruden grinder. Absolutely does. I know he does. No, I I, I like. That's I, actually pretty pretty neat. Uh, I I didn't really I didn't really think about that for them, but. It's Hawk Hawk going there to um Oakland could could be a possibility. Um now we go to the Philadelphia Eagles at number twenty five. And for me, I think they waste no time uh rushing to the podium with the card that has Chauncey Gardner Johnson's name on it. He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything in the secondary and God knows the Eagles could use it after last season. Yeah. Um, they, I, I definitely see where strongly considered a couple safeties, uh, at 25, including Chauncey, uh, Gardner Johnson. Um, I like him. I think he's my safety three, uh, in my top 40 or 35. I really like him. Uh, improved a lot, especially in his tackling from 2017 to 2018. 
uh, versatile piece that uh, can probably that at least projects to play in a lot of spots. Uh, I love his size. He's got a you know great frame for a modern NFL safety. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense at twenty five. But how he how he uh, rose. He always values uh, the the trenches, and uh, I think with in a perfect world, I think they would love to have Andre all to twenty five and uh, have him be the understudy to Jason Peters. But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So um, what else does Howie Roseman value? Defensive line. And uh, mm. on the board is, uh, uh, pro- in terms of talent, a top five player. But uh, injury has uh, tanked mm. his draft stock a bit. And, of course, I'm talking about Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, Mississippi State. Uh, Eagles, honestly, they don't really have many needs. I mean, could they use another line? Off-ball linebacker, sure, but there's none that they're going to take at this point. Obviously, you know, you said safety. I could see that. I'm not 100% sure that Howie's going to take a safety round one. Um, it's actually a fairly, I, it's a fairly deep safety class. Uh, I could see him waiting. I think they have, they have one, they have two second round picks. Um, could we see, you know, maybe a Darnell Savage if he falls that far? Uh, sure, uh, maybe a monster. Um, Deontay Thompson, maybe. Uh, mm. I think that's more of the range where he, you know, he might take safe. You know, he might take a tackle and a safety. You know, something like that. Maybe a uh, Caleb McGarry, and then follows that up with safety in round two. Uh, something like that. But uh, you know, I have them taking uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Obviously, you know, you might think about. Think, you look at it and be like, hey, they've got, you know, I think that, you know, uh, obviously Fletcher Cox, who's an animal, uh, one of the best defensive tackles in football. Uh, and then they have, um, and then they have uh, Malik Jackson as well. Right. Who's been, had some, had some good, a uh, couple good seasons and uh, a lot of good throughout his career and uh, in Jacksonville especially, but, um, you know, Malik Jackson kind of coming off a bit of a down year. Well, I mean, you know, compared to his 2017 especially. But um, with Jeffrey Simmons, you basically get to redshirt in his first year. And, you know, Malik, Jeff- Malik Jackson gets to, you know, have that defensive tackle spot, you know, unchallenged. And, right. And then you can really get Jeffrey Simmons in his second year. And <laughs> you're looking at a defensive tackle rotation of Fletcher Cox, Malik Jefferson, and Jeffrey Simmons. Are you kidding me? Nuts. That's not. That yeah. is nutty, man. That's ridiculous. But that's the DNA of this Philadelphia Eagles team. That's the DNA of how you... And I think it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, I, it's, I, you know what? It's actually not a bad idea for them since, like you said, they don't really need a lot so they could afford to do something like that and, and take a chance with, with Simmons right now and, and wait on him. But we move to pick 26 now with Indianapolis, and um, I feel like they also are looking to upgrade in the trenches. And I feel here, because I, I, in my um, mock here. He falls here. Christian Wilkins is the obvious pick here Ooh. for them. Oh, you know the thing about Wilkins is perfectly fits that culture too. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> I just, I just really feel like that's like a perfect. Uh, they're incredibly happy he falls here, and they're just they're thrilled. He's such a ballard guy. He feels like such a ballard guy. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think he's there. It's like no question he's 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 going to to Indy if he's there. Yeah, that's <laughs> If I was a fan of an NFC team, I would really want to see that happen because I think that's just such a perfect fit and I love that you did that. Um, but I think man, that <laughs> Chris Ballard would just be hitting, you know, pick after pick after pick. You know, Quentin, Will- or Quentin Nelson last year, oh, yeah. Darius Leonard last year, Braden Smith last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he follows it up with Christian Wilkins falling to 26. Man. And then, you know, obviously I have to factor in Malik Hooker, oh, 2017 yeah. right. too, falling to 15. I mean, yep. oh, man, you want to talk taking out with some good players in the draft. That is how you draft. Yep. Um, right. So... At 26, um, no such luck for them that Christian Wilkins is on the board. Um, so I think they move to the secondary where, you know, we talked, we touched on Malik Hooker. He's really good, but you still have, another, you know, another safety spot that I'm not 100%, 100% sure that they will fill. They still have uh, Clayton Gathers, mm. who's a serviceable safety. Um, nothing special, but not too bad either. Um, I think cornerback is what I think they would like to go, but I don't really, I I don't really see any cornerback getting taken at this spot. I think you know DeAndre Baker. There's a lot of questions about his personality, and his character, mm-hmm. and I think you combine that with mediocre athleticism and a lack of so- elite size, that just screams falling into the second round to me, even if he does have good tape. Um, I think the other guy that would be considered here is Rocky Sin. He's been getting a ton of buzz. It really, you know, it helped, you know, uh, I think they talked about uh, state champion wrestler. Uh, You can really see that in his play. Super physical guy, long arms. I like his ball skills. Um, Only, you know, stepped on to, you know, his first year at Temple after a few years at uh, Presbyterian and, uh, you know, came right onto Temple and was, you know, so good and just such a high, you know, high character and, uh, you know, physically and mentally tough player that he got one of their uh, famous single-digit numbers. You know, they, they're, uh, you know, one through nine are, or I think it's, it's either one through nine or zero through nine are uh, traditionally awarded for the toughest players in the football program at Temple. So, you know, a couple guys from that group are... Uh, are in this year's draft class, Rocky Shin, Dogby, defensive tackle, uh, another one. But And uh, it seems like Rock's been getting a lot of uh, end of first round buzz, uh, early second buzz, but I don't – I he was the other guy I was thinking about for this pick, but at the end of the day, I finally had a safety come off the board. It was not Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. It was Jonathan Avram of uh, Mississippi State. Complete alpha male uh Wild man back there. Often plays too out of control. Uh, I don't love his angles, um, but punisher, hard hitter. Um, I actually think he's, you know, kind of. Uh, I I kind of like uh, some of his traits in man cover in terms of his size and his, his athletic ability, and I think he's got some fairly decent ball skills on him too. Uh, pretty soft hands to uh, make interceptions, but uh, the athleticism is just. All over the place. The dude is just a screw. Dude is plays like a missile uh, leader on that Mississippi State. You know he's 
he's a dog on that uh, Bulldogs defense, you know, pun intended, I guess. But uh, dude, uh, dude brings it every play, and uh, I could see the Colts gravitating towards that. I honestly have not really analyzed Abrams' tape at all. I, I can't even really give you much of an opinion on him at all, at whatsoever. Um, I, I've heard the buzz about him, and I've just happened to check out a lot of the other safeties that haven't been him. <laughs> and um, well, I just probably factored into why I don't even have him in my first round here. I, I would like to say this, is that Darnell Savage is who the media thinks Jonathan Abram is. Oh, yeah, I like Darnell Savage a lot. Um, uh, he, he's Now he's good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I really hope that Darnell Savage and Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, I am praying for a way that he falls to 52, even though I know it won't happen. Nah, yeah, I, I doubt it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of I could see that Indy doing that. I, I, I think... It's tough to mock for them. On it. Yeah, they, they can, there's a lot of different ways. They're not in go. a great spot for value, and that's why I think them trading up with Seattle is a real possibility. Because mm, 26 okay. is kind of a there's. I mean, I guess they could go wide receiver. That was another one I really yeah. thought about. I thought about maybe AJ Brown, but uh, mm. ended up moving away from that. Away from there, but um, uh, I just because I think they probably want to focus more on defense than offense, but. I, that's why I think, uh, you know, I think they're in line for a move up, especially with Seattle, because the value just is not that great at 26 for what they need, at least. Yeah. So now, I so in my spot here, now we have the Seahawks at 27 they, they have with that trade, the Raiders, and now they're back on the clock again. I feel like the Seahawks could really use another weapon Russell Wilson can play with. And uh, I feel like Noah Fant would be quite the weapon. Um, you know, is a tight end that could really play like a receiver at times. He he would create mismatches all over and just give a whole new dimension to that Seattle offense. And I mean, I was I thought receiver here for for a minute, but um, I was I kind of was like you know, I, Tyler Lockett's good, man, and you know, and Baldwin's going to come back at some point. I, I know he's not going to be healthy right away. But he'll be he'll be at some point. I think he'll be all right, and I think they could live without getting a receiver. I I think they could really use a guy like Fanto. He, but you know he could he could be almost be like a receiver for you anyway. The way he plays, and I feel like him and Will Disley would be like a really hell of a a tight end one and tight end two uh, pairing together, and would really help out uh, Wilson. Yeah, I I really thought about tight end at 21, uh, but, you know, I felt Nick, uh, Nick Bennett and Will Disley, you know, is that enough to pass up on Cleveland Furl, especially if you think Fred Clark's going to go? Uh, for me, the answer to that question was no. Um, but I really thought about it because I think tight end is, I think you may make an excellent point. Uh, it's definitely an upgradable position, but, it, you know, they could also easily, you know, make that a position of eh to a position of strength and uh, really give – Russell Wilson, uh, an X factor to play with, because like you said, Lockett's really good. He's come on. He really came on uh, this past year as a solid uh, target on the outside, especially as a deep threat. And uh, Doug Baldwin is Doug Baldwin. He's you know probably more primarily of a slot up slot option these days, but he's still going to do his thing. He's still a good veteran receiver, a reliable target. 
So I think that makes a lot of sense, and I really like the pick. Um, so for me, uh, Oakland's on the clock here at twenty-seven, and we talked about it. We talked about him a little bit early, but um, all along we've said that Oakland needs to uh, needs pass rush. Uh, I think that they solved that somewhat in Quentin Williams, but they also need someone on the edge because there's no one reliable out there. I mean. I mean, really, is Arden Key going to be your only guy out there? You no, know, no. I don't yeah. think so. And uh, there's an option that's really staring them in the face. Another guy that I think, you know, we talked about TJ Hawkinson being a Gruden grinder type of guy. Chase Winovich is a Gruden grinder type of guy. Uh, yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, at this point, I you know, especially when the, the quality of edge rushers, you know, really kind of drops off after Winovich, you you got I think uh, Gruden and Mayock are going to want to pounce on on that pass rusher, and so I think they go Winovich. I also thought about uh, maybe going cornerback uh, uh, to get someone opposite of Garyon Conley, but they do have. Uh, let's bring it up. They do have uh, Daryl Worley, uh, who at least is someone that I think that they do want to get a look at at uh, cornerback, even, you know, whether as a starter or maybe they uh, pick up someone, you know, you know, take your pick, Rocky Sin, DeAndre Baker, Ani Oruwarie, Trayvon Mullen at, uh, at 36 right. to, to compete with that spot. But I think they want to go out, make sure that they get their outside pass rusher, and uh, I think that's what they do, uh, selecting Chase Winovich at 27. Wow, I, I I mean that's that would be a really good pick for for Oakland I think, um, and just in terms of what what they're they're really needing, um, yeah obviously in my in my point I had them pick Burns you know they need an edge rusher they need pass rush and that would be a, a great, really good pick for them. Um, so now at twenty eight we have um San, uh the I almost said San Diego I, I always do this still um the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> Um, and I think the Chargers help out Phil, and they grab him mean and nasty Dalton Risner, who slides right I into the it. right tackle spot. Yeah. Yep, I just I think Risner just plays just just so nasty, just so mean, just so just I he's just he's just nasty. I just love him, and uh, he's just he's just got a great ass. He's just a leader, and. Um, I think I think he would just slot right in on the right side and just solve a lot of problems for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Tevi is not a starting caliber right tackle in the NFL, so has to be a position that you know should be upgraded. And uh, I thought long and hard about this because I I was deciding between the player I ended up picking and, like you said, Dalton Reisner because I think. The fit with Reisner there, it makes a lot of sense. It's a really good fit, and uh, maybe, you know, if uh, something happens where, you know, maybe Reisner doesn't work out at right tackle, or by the grace of God, Sam Tevy really ups his play at right tackle. Um, you know, their guard play last year with the Feeney and Lamp, it, it was lacking, and... Uh, Obviously, I have Michael Schofield as well, but, you know, he's an, an average at best guy. You know, maybe you kick, maybe, uh, you know, go ahead and kick Dalton Reisner inside. Certainly do that. He's a guy who can 
you know, play, you know, all five spots along the offensive line. So I definitely, I love the pick there. I think it makes a lot of sense. It Again, you know, for, for teams like uh, Houston and uh, the Chargers, you should be taking a real hard, long look at Dalton Reisner because, you know, maybe not the best athlete, but just a really solid football player, uh, tough dude, right. and very versatile. And those are just value. Those are those are uh, qualities that uh, hold a lot of weight in, in the NFL. Yeah, um, you can't coach that. It's, it's no. you have to have it. You don't. Yep, absolutely. However, I went in a bit of a different direction. Um, instead of offensive line, I went defensive line. Corey Legit has. You know, it, it's it been kind of a whirlwind with him. Um, and uh, obviously, at uh, Brandon Me being his old, um, they certainly, you know, Justin, they uh, took Justin Jones in the third round from North Carolina State. I like him, but I think the Chargers really want to upgrade at defensive tackle. And uh, my last defensive tackle. Uh, taken in the first round. I think there's going to be five. Um, so far, we're four for five with Q, Ed, uh, Wilkins, Simmons. And uh, to make it five for five, I've got the Chargers taking Notre Dame defensive tackle Jerry Tillery. Oh, man. Very long, yeah. long arms, you know, powerful guy. Uh, has developed a bit as a pass rusher. Uh, in 2018, um, I mean, the Stanford game is some of the best tape of any prospect oh, in this yeah. year's draft. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> good, you know, pretty good flexibility for a guy that's like six, you know, six, 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 seven, you know, 300 pounds. Uh, I think he has some, I don't think the burst is all that consistent. I think, you know, he has natural problems with the uh, leverage and pad level. Oh, but okay. oh yeah, Cons- think, consistency in general for him yeah. is just, uh, is just yeah, his main but, issue. I think I think uh, someone's going to traits on those uh, on the fit, on the length and the traits in the first round, and I think that team's going to be the Chargers. I, I totally. I, it's weird because like I I just did a show on Tillery, and I, I kind of just like totally forgot about him in the, in this in this first round conversation. Like I I think, I think he, a lot of people are. I think I, I think yeah. I think he's really going to you know go higher than I think many people. Yeah. You know. That being the first round. Oh, I would 100% can see him going to late first, and I wouldn't have a, an issue with it because he's. I think he's good enough to be there. Um, I think he'll go. I think he'll go into like the early second, though. Personally, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see that. Yeah. So now we go to the Chiefs at 29, and um, uh, they uh, they kind of had a t- tough time on defense, <laughs> to say the least, uh, and a lot of it derived from the secondary i mean it was it was bad out there i mean and they and then now they discovered a steven nelson who is like <laughs> the one decent corner that they had it, it seems like and now they have pretty much no one um <laughs> they don't really have any one corner that strikes fear into any receiver or quarterback and they hope that deandre baker can change that here I you know I went back and forth between a couple of the different guys and I just feel like they're gonna take a shot on Baker. I know he's in a fall because of just a lot of things that have been going on with him, but uh, I think you know at the same time with Baker, he shut guys down. He shut guys down. I know there's like a lack of athleticism. I know there's 
you know, this and that about him. But, man, you look at the stats, he just shut dudes down. Somehow he found ways to shut guys down and just put the clamps on dudes. And I, I think he's an immediate upgrade to what they have. I mean, no doubt. I, I just I can't get any worse for them. <laughs> it can't get any no. worse. It, I mean, I, I also consider uh, Amani uh, Oruwarie here as well, though. I, I think I think it would be I for really me. Like him I think it's be, I think it was between that, those two for for the Chiefs, but I went with Baker here. But I could definitely see it go the other way with him as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think that uh, the Chiefs have a few. I think I I actually think that uh, off ball linebacker could potentially be something that they consider. Um, Reggie Ragland hasn't really been no. uh, the guy that they hope for at all. And even Anthony is disappointed, which is a little bit surprising considering his athleticism and how he played uh, in spurts at Dallas. But regardless, I think that maybe, you know, could they, you know, take a chance on a Mac? Sure. Although I do doubt it. It's certainly a possibility. Um, I think also uh, center, Losing, uh, you know, losing Mitch Morris is could be a sneaky big blow. Uh, first of all, I love that pickup for the Buffalo Bills, but you know, second, I think that uh, that's something that Kansas City could could be looking to replace in the form of you know maybe Garrett Bradbury falls or uh, Eric McCoy, like we talked about earlier. I think that's certainly in the realm of possibility. But uh, they could also you know go wide receiver. The Tyreek Hill situation is up in the air. We do not know, you know, will he be suspended? Will he not? You know, will he not? I mean, if you have to think if he's suspended, he's done in the NFL. There's no coming back from that, really, uh, considering, you know, the other things in his past. Um, No. So I think think that's the real chance. I really considered uh, Hollywood Brown and A.J. Brown, but... I did not go there. I agree with you. The secondary was horrendous. They need to fix it. Um, I didn't go corner, even though I kind of wanted because, you know, it's just like the same thing I talked about with the Colts. I'm not, you know, I think I'm not sure if teams are going to be in love with the safeties at the end of the first round. Um, plus, you know, Bashad Breland and Kendall Fuller is enough to not reach on a cornerback in in the first round, I guess. Um, the big problem, though, I see for this team is that safety. Yes, you have Tyron Matthew. That was a really good pickup. Um, after that, you have Daniel Sorensen, Jordan Lucas, uh, Armani Watts. That's bad. Oh, yeah. That's really bad. So, at this point... Get yourself a versatile piece. Get yourself an athletic piece. Get yourself a guy who can make plays. Uh, you just need a guy who, you know, you're looking at. I look at this team and I'm like, okay, you know, Tyron Matthew, uh, Kendall Fuller, and now with uh, the 29th, the 29th overall pick, Chauncey Gardner Johnston. Get yourself some versatile move guys. Uh, be creative with your defense, and uh, go make things happen on the back end because Lord knows you need to. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think it's, it's either way. The Chiefs they they got they got to address the defense is just of the utmost importance. That's just that's what held them back. They truly did. Um, and now we go to number thirty with Green Bay with their second pick. And I, I again I, I racked my brain with Green Bay, and I just kind of like was like, 
a look down up and down the roster. So my thought, I thought my thought was, so you just got Adrian Amos. Um, who's going to slot right into one of your spots. So why not add another good safety right next to him in Nasir Adderley? I love it. I, I think I think it's a good fit. You kind of Amos has his role and Natalie has his role, and um, I, I think it would just be a that would be a hell of a tandem. I think with for Green Bay. Oh yeah, I mean, I love Nasir Adderley's game. I think he's the best safety in this class. Um, I I you know I talked about it before uh, when Green Bay was picking at twelve. I love Adrian Amos. I love the fit. I love the pairing. I think it works out well. Um, Josh Jones has not really um, – I don't think he's been quite the player that Green Bay's hoped for uh, in his first couple years. So I could definitely see them uh, adding to that safety group, uh, especially after they moved down from HaHa Clinton Dix. So I like it. I really like it. Um, at this point, for me, though, uh, they went defense at 12 so got to go offense in the in the at the at thirty. Uh, you have to do something for Aaron Rodgers. You got to get a pass catcher. I wanted so bad to have to uh, to type in AJ Brown because I think I really think the fit could be really good in uh, in Green Bay. And I also thought long and hard about Hollywood Brown at thirty. But at the end of the day. No offense, just too good. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, best res- best uh, best receiver on the board at this point. Uh, Jimmy Graham has only left on his contract, and uh, you know, when you think about no offense skill set, dude could basically be the next Jimmy Graham, like prime New Orleans Saints Jimmy Graham. Yeah. So, I think you bring that in for Green Bay. You give uh, you give AR twelve another. Super, you know, another target, super athletic, can really stretch a defense, uh, can work all three levels of the field. Probably the highest potential, the highest ceiling of any tight end in this class. Um, I, I, you know, even though I don't think teams are going to value tight end a whole bunch, especially in a deep tight end class, fans too good to fall out of the first round, I feel. I agree. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> no, no way he does. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, if Green, I was saying if Green, I, I think that would, would have been my pick for them if if he was actually there. Um, but in my case, he, you know, Seattle had taken him already. Um, but yeah, no, that they do. They Jimmy Graham is clearly just washed at this point. I, I, I don't know what's his what his deal is, and he's just so up and down now. And yeah, they, they just, I think they're gonna, they're, they would want somebody at some point, and I think they could still address it. It a little later in the draft, anyway, um, and, and look for a guy because there's going to be still some a couple of good guys out there um, f- for them to to look at tight ends. But now we go to the Super Bowl runner-ups, uh, the Los Angeles Rams at 31, and um, I think it was pretty obvious that the Rams just just they just didn't have as much pass rush as they would have liked uh, this past season, and. Um, I think it really ended up biting them uh, at times. 
Chase Winovich is one of my favorite players in this class. He just never quits. Um, in spite of some of his deficiencies, he finds ways to get to the quarterback, and I think the Rams go and get him at this point, him falling to this point. Yeah, it uh, makes a lot of um, they, they definitely could use a pass rush. Uh, Dante, Fowler, Dante Fowler is on a prove-it deal this year. Um, I mean, Samson Ebukum is okay, but I think you'd probably rather have a number three uh, pa- outside linebacker, you know, outside pass yeah. rusher rather than your number two. Um, you're looking, I mean, geez, you know, at that point you're looking at Brockers, Donald, Fowler, and Winovich, you know, if you're, if you're in your nickel mm. and you got, you know, f- you know, four, you know, four down linemen, you know, two down linemen and your two outside linebackers there. So that's dangerous, man. That's yeah. a lot of pass rush. That's a lot of juice. That yeah. is a lot of juice. Right. And I, I just think that would just be a real big trump card for them. I think that would just put them over the edge just a little bit and uh, give them just a really, really frightening uh, front seven to, to go up against. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would have loved to give them a pass rusher if there's one on the board that uh, – I think that they'd go after, you know, I know that uh, right at the combine, there was a buzz about Ja'Kai Polite at 31 for the Rams because Oof. Polite said that, because Polite said that he had had a really good meeting and uh, interview with the Rams, but Polite's not going first round. That's not happening. Is, is he even going to go happening. second round at this point? I don't even. I'm not sure. I really doubt that. It, I don't think I've maybe, seen. A... Maybe back end. Maybe back end. But... I don't think I don't think I've seen a guy just single handedly just tank his own stock as bad as he has. I mean, you know, I I do remember that. Just going back to last year, Arden Key and Orlando Brown tried their damnedest oh, to yeah. do what Jakai Polite did, but Jakai Jakai Polite did it better. Yeah, I, like, I, it's unbelievable. Their, uh, his stock better than those guys, which is just incredible. This guy, where people were talking about being a top ten pick, and he is now like not even in the remotely in the conversation of like the, no. maybe even the first two rounds at this point. That's just yeah. an, an insane drop of yeah, energy. maybe yeah, yeah. So now it's like maybe yeah, third yeah, round. But, you know, yeah, that's like that's wow. Yeah, crazy. Um, so I yeah. So no pass rushers uh, that I they I think that they take at thirty one. So uh, next uh, area of need is on the on the offensive line. Um, you lost Roger Saffold. You lost John Sullivan. Uh, you're going to need to replace those guys. I don't. I actually kind of like some of the guys that they have. Uh, Brian Allen. You know, any Allen from uh, Michigan State that played on the. Is probably a guy I'm going to be a fan of because they're just tough dudes yeah. and uh, they're just you know grinded out football players. You know, I don't think you know they're never going to be elite guys, but they they were reliable guys in college, and you know I think it, they're easy to project to be reliable guys in the NFL. Um, obviously, Andrew Whitworth is old. He's awesome. He's still awesome, but he's old. Uh, they drafted Joseph Noteboom last year out of TCU, a guy I liked. Uh, he's you'd probably look at him to be our left tackle of the future. Um, so now you're looking at the inside. Obviously, you know, I mentioned Brian Allen earlier. Uh, Austin Blythe is, could be a guy that 
you know, maybe they look to try and, uh, you know, have him on the offense, have him at uh, one of the guard spots. Jamil Demby is a guy that, you know, I, I mean, I remember his name from last year, um, you know, but you're obviously not going to. So at that point, you're looking, interior, you're looking at the interior offensive line. And I mentioned him a bit earlier, at, I think at Tennessee, maybe. Um, but yeah, Eric McCoy, Texas A&M. Um, I picked him over Dalton because I think teams are just going to value McCoy's athleticism over Reisner's athleticism. I don't, I don't, Reisner isn't a bad athlete, but he's not a great one either. Eric McCoy's a great athlete. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he fits. I think he fits any three of the interiors that uh, the Rams would want him to play, and uh, I think the fit really works. And, you know, McCoy, we know that Eric McCoy isn't afraid of anyone after all the interior guys he's faced oh. at, uh, at his time at Texas A&M. So I, I think that they're going to make this pick, and I would really like this pick if I was a Rams fan. Dude faced off against Quinn Williams and lived. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's impressive, to say the least. Um, so finally, we get to the end of the first and final end, pick. Uh, end of the first round. I feel like we've gone a, uh, about as long as the actual draft. Yeah, window. yeah, it's about. But um, yeah. So let's face it. Bill Belichick loves trading out of the first round. Um, this Bill, is true. Bill Belichick also loves trading with the Cleveland Browns. This is true. I think this relationship takes flight once again with an offer from the Browns that would include wow. their second rounder and uh, picks scattered between this and next year. That's because the Browns see I mean, the the what's what's that? No, go on, go on. That, this is, that that's because the Browns see the recovering Jeffrey Simmons at the end of the round and are 100 percent willing to redshirt him because of the potential pass rush ability he would eventually bring alongside Larry Ogunjobi, Miles Garrett, and Olivier Vernon. Yeah, um, as a Steelers fan, I would be absolutely infuriated if uh, the Browns' 21 defensive line looked like Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Larry, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Sheldon Richardson, and Jeffrey Simmons because there's just no stopping that. They're just too good. Um, so, yeah, I think if the Browns were able to pull that off, it makes a ton of sense. Their only needs really are like, you know, a cornerback opposite of Denzel Ward and. Uh, a safety, a lot, you know, that can play with Demarius Randall, and you can find those guys on, you know, you you can, you know, find those guys in day two of this draft, you know, whatever picks they have after the, this trade. So I think it makes a lot of sense to take Jeffrey Simmons, and I think it'd be a wise move on John Dorsey's part. Yeah, I, it's there's been a lot of links between him and Simmons. Uh, it's there's been since the uh, while now. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter with that that he's been linked to the Browns, and um, I, I just have a feeling they're going to find a way to get him. I, I just I think there's obviously some interest there. You know, Sheldon Richardson is not going to be there forever, and you know he you know he was a good sign. Don't get me wrong, I, I really liked the signing, but I mean when you see the potential of Simmons. And just in that rotation, oh my god! I mean, that would just yeah. be ridiculous, and yeah. the, the the havoc they would just put on people uh, on offensive lines would just be um just ridiculous. I I also don't trust me. Like I would not mind seeing them go 
um, safety as well, obviously with the departure of Jabril Peppers. But um, I, just, I just think at this point, you see a talent like that, a top 10 talent like Jeffrey Simmons, and he slips to that point, I think you've got to do what you can to, to get him no matter what his you know ACL is like. It's just you gotta you got to take the shot on him. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah, it, you know, Dor- Dorsey's known to take a chance on guys like Simmons. I think it makes a lot of sense. Oh. So, yeah, at at the, the final pick of the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft, uh, the New England Patriots are on the – obviously, uh, I talked about them potentially maybe getting aggressive and moving to uh, 21 with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, but obviously, you know, in my mock – uh, no trades, so they just chill at 32, and they need a receiver. I'm sure they would love Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson to follow them, or maybe they even trade up to get one of them since Gronk retired, but uh, no such luck. But uh, there is a receiver that I think they would they could potentially be really interested in, and that happens to be Oklahoma receiver Hollywood Brown. Um, the vertical threat is obvious. Um, dude can absolutely fly. Uh, I think, you know, I think he'd go higher if uh, he didn't have the Liz Frank injury, but I think that combined with his size and the fact that at the dude's, you know, peak, you know, his peak playing weight is going to be like 175. I think those are caught, those will have him fall just a tiny bit, but the speed, uh, the route running, uh, the, the yak ability, I think the fact that he can take the top off of him against any type of coverage, I think that's, I think that's going to be, I, I think that's going to be very enticing to New England and a team that I think could use Hollywood Brown in v, and uh, very creative ways and oh, uh, yeah. could no. you know I think Brady would be able to get him get him the ball in a lot of very advantageous situations. Uh, I could also see them going Irv Smith here. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's possible. I thought about you know maybe Irv Smith or maybe Dawson Knox, but uh, Ugh, Dawson thought, Knox uh, really at this point? Wow. I mean, I thought you know maybe because there is a lot of athleticism there that uh, you know yeah. maybe that sneaks into the first round. I mean, we saw Evan Ingram sneak into That's the twenties. That's true. When no one really thought he would. So another very uh, athletic old Miss tight end. Uh, so I I didn't think it was you know necessarily out of possibility. I didn't go Irv Smith uh, because didn't really knock the combine out of the park, and you know, dude's kind of small for a tight end. He's, I think he's maybe six three, and uh, you know, not a, not like you know two sixty or anything like that. I think he was listed at like two forty five or something like that at the combine. So not a huge dude, and I think that limits his uh, ceiling in terms of his draft stock. So I uh, I had New England uh, going out and getting a true uh, true receiver rather than a tight. That's uh, hey, that's fair. I mean, I, I if they had Hollywood Brown there, I, that would be pretty hard to pass up. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's just I always get the feeling that they're they're gonna probably trade out of this pick. I just I don't know. They uh, that's usually what they like to do. They just like to stockpile and they like, they find guys and that are like uh, bag boys at grocery stores and turn them into all stars and. Somehow, and uh, I'm just honestly so tired of it at this point. Um, I mean, I th- I think it really depends on the value. 
you know, for for their, you know, if they don't like the value, they're out of there. There's no questions asked. They will not reach on guys. Um, right. You know, one could argue that Sony Michelle was a reach, but he was productive for them. So, who are, who are specific people? Uh, cough myself, cough to judge. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. But uh, I think I think this is kind of the the late the really late first early second is kind of the sweet spot for some of the some of the value wide receivers. So that's kind of why I think that uh, they might be more inclined to stick around. Right. Huh. Interesting. So, like, with that being said, with the end of the first here, so who for you like do you feel like d- didn't go in, in in the first that would be like prime targets on that early day too well uh, the four names for come to jacobs dalton reisner uh nasir adderley and uh aj brown yeah and there would probably be a lot of maneuvering to get to those guys and um, i agree also kelvin Harmon for me comes to mind Mm -hmm. as well um in my case, uh, yeah, I mean, you, I know you had him in the first, but Garrett Bradbury would be, you know, if, if he were to slip in the second, he'd be right in that conversation, I think. Um, yeah, Eric, Eric I think, McCoy as well. Yeah, I think this offensive line class is going to be really interesting to see what, you know, what, you know, guys at which positions go where because, you know, are is the, you know, the center trend. Uh, the center, you know, upward yeah. trend in value last year going to carry over, or will it drop off like it usually does? Uh, will guys like, you know, Dalton Reisner get taken in the first? You know, will you know guys that you know tackles that aren't necessarily super athletic like Dalton Reisner get taken in the first round, yeah. or will they slip to early day two? It yeah, should be really interesting. And, oh, obviously, Nikhil Harry as well um, would be right in that discussion in in the early day two. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, uh, you actually had this play first round, uh, DeAndre Baker. I mean, for me, a whole host of cornerbacks. Yeah, and uh, DeAndre. Uh, Yassin, uh, Baker, Uruarie, right. Mullen. Right. Uh, well, yeah, there'll be a run on those guys. Even maybe Justin, yeah. Justin Lane, possibly. And um, Yeah, Justin Lane, too. Maybe Sean Bunting. Oh, yeah, Bunting as well. Yep. And um, also, too, Deontay Thompson, whose stock has really just kind of dropped the ball big time. Yeah. Yeah, I I actually revisited him a couple of weeks ago, I think, and I was like, you know, I kind of see why his stock is falling at this point. Yeah, um, I, I saw the, the same the slight thing. frame. Yeah, the the slight frame, the injury. I I respect that he's a willing tackler, but I mean, he's not really good at it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, right, um, right. and I think, and I, honestly, I don't think he's very athletic. Like I just don't think he's very fast. Yeah, he doesn't. Or, or, he doesn't play it. He doesn't play it. That's for sure. He doesn't or, play. I think, it fast. I think that's the thing. Like he's not really explosive. Uh, it, that's it's, I, it's weird. I feel like there's certain guys they 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 play. They don't play fast, but they then they like run fast. And, yeah. And, but like the, he's like yeah he's like one of those guys. He just doesn't he doesn't play fast even though like like well, it's, it's so weird because like. He has some pretty good, like he has good range. Right. Yeah, I know. But it's like he's not like super athletic. Yeah, so, and then, and then like know, yeah, then you like I don't like, know how that makes sense. Like Amani Hooker as well. Like he he had a, actually a pretty good combine, but like, then you turn the the game tape on and it's just like oh my god, like guy can't. He's a plotter. He plods. Like, yeah. Uh huh. And it's like yeah. 
what the hell? So yeah, it's it's really weird. To, it's just that discrepancy sometimes uh, between game speed and like how you play in a game, and and just when you're running outside of it, you know, it's 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 two different two different things. Yeah, for sure. But, and oh, also one more thing, uh, probably before we sign off is, uh, I would be remiss to forget uh, Chris Lindstrom. Oh, still available in my oh, mock. Oh yeah, right, right, correct. So yeah, he's another guy, and he went in my and, first round. But yeah, he, yeah, Lin, yeah, Lindstrom and uh, and Debo. Oh yeah, both is, is, yeah. There's a yeah, guy. There's gonna be a huge run of receivers in the second round. There's oh, no, yeah. there is no yes. doubt on about that. There is going to be a just absolute like. Um, war for these guys in the, in yeah, the second uh-huh. round. I mean, trade yeah. ups, it, yeah. and everything. Oh, it's going to be a a huge, you know, battle royale for all these receivers. Yep, and that's it's going to be like the receiver and corner run. It's is is going to be in that second round. It just feels like uh, big time. Yep, in that second round, it's going to be nuts for all those types of those type types of guys. So, I think that's what's going to end up happening. But uh, yeah, uh, that's probably gonna do it for uh, the mock draft episode. It went pretty long. I hope y'all uh, were able to uh, really take all this in. I know it was a lot compared to what we I usually do on the show, um, and it's it's kind of short, usually short and in and out. But uh, this was a big one. I, you know, I really wanted to do this for a while now, and uh, with with somebody else, with somebody's input, not just myself. Um, I always appreciate um, Nino's input because he's uh, got a lot of uh, knowledge and he studies up on this stuff very well. So I appreciate you having you again, Nino. It was great. You were excellent. Um, it's awesome to hear your all your different um, thoughts and just compared to mine. <laughs> I always like to kind of compare like what I'm uh, seeing to others anyway, and it's it's always gives me a different outlook on uh, on how different perspective on how things can go. So. I always appreciate the input, brother. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. A pleasure to be on here. Awesome to talk some shop with you. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. And uh, listen, uh, everybody, you can follow us uh, on Twitter um, at Prospect Prof, uh, on, on Instagram at Prospect Profile, and we are also on Facebook. Just search up Prospect Profile. Um, you can... Uh, find us on the shows, the show on iTunes uh, by searching up Prospect Profile. We're also on Stitcher and uh, our Podbean page is prospectprofile.podbean.com. And uh, you can also uh, follow Nino too at uh, Nino Olivier um, on Twitter as well if you if you would like to see some of his uh, takes on on the draft and whatnot. Uh, it's also uh, on Reddit as well. Um, you you could take it over from there if you want to plug anything else. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I do a fair amount of draft stuff on on Reddit uh, scouting reports. Uh, gonna have a my final official big board out probably Wednesday, the day before the draft. Uh, and I also do uh, mock drafts on there. You know, general draft stuff. I usually like to go about. You know, uh, July or August, up until you know, right now in February, uh, you can find me at I underscore Milk. Uh, that's you know, lowercase I underscore capital M, uh, lowercase I capital L K. And uh, you know, as as uh, Lawrence said, you can find me on Twitter at Nino Olivier fifteen N I N O O L I V I E R one five. So uh, yeah, that's where you can find my stuff at. 
all right again thanks to nino for uh coming on the show and uh just giving us all this information and uh Appreciate you all listening and being along for this longer ride than usual. Um, take care. I hope you all really enjoy the draft in, in the next week. It's going to be a fun ride, and uh, can't wait to hear how wrong we were um, about about ninety five percent of the stuff that we went over today. So, thanks, y'all. Uh, take care and enjoy the draft, and uh, have fun. Thank you.